Hello, and welcome back to the Ark of E podcast. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin. And we're the Blanchard Brothers. And this is your 2 by 2 retro reviews for the month of June. Yes. To remind everybody, we're going to be discussing... And we're going to do mine first, because the other one's, you know... The other one's an actual classic yes. that we've yet to, you know... I don't think we've ever really discussed at all no, on I don't this think podcast. So. No, Other than the random stray reference, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, we're going to do mine first, which is the uh, <laughs> 1996, I hesitate to even say, gem uh, or... Uh, Thriller or I, whatever. What, whatever you want. There are gems in it. Yes. Uh, but, yes, the Miami set uh, thriller, light thriller uh, from Mr. Bob Rafelson great director uh in his twilight career wise um it's funny that you say we'll get to it it's called blood and wine yeah uh by the way yeah so that's one movie that we'll be discussing the other one kind of surprised it took us this long to get to it and this is a little behind the scenes action but i basically had to like tell you to make it your pick right but i really didn't have a good one (laughs) uh yeah, but we wanted to do a double dose of Florida goodness, but like, you know, there's a lot to choose from. Yes. So I went I went with a, you know, a little more off the beaten path, if you will. Yeah. And you went with a straight up 80s classic. Yes. Scarface from 1983. The world is yours, Noah. It is. And it's everything in it. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So we're going to save that for, for part two so you can obviously fast forward. If you want to, check the timestamps in the episode. If you're listening on Spotify, you can conveniently just go in the episode description and click on the timestamp. It takes you right there in the episode. Oh, perfect. It's great. I don't know why every service doesn't do that. But regardless, you can manually fast forward if you want to. But we'll talk about Blood and Wine. I'm interested to see what Gavin thought of it. This was a a rewatch for me after many years, about probably about 15 or so, Hmm. maybe more. Maybe more like 16. Uh, but yeah, we'll get into it. But before we do, yeah, I mean, it's been a bit since we recorded. Our last episode was two hours and 45 minutes long. But is there anything in the interim that you you do want to touch on? Or do you want to dive straight into the 2 by 2 Well, I didn't do you mention... Want to do what we came to do? I, I am going to continue to rhyme. We can push it to the limit in a little bit. It's funny that you said Twilight. Because I watched Twilight... Starring Paul Newman. Yes. Yeah. And it's this weird thing I've seen where it feels like in the 90s, a bunch of like old school guys were trying, maybe they thought the world was going to end in 99 and they were like trying to get one more in, but Reese Witherspoon is in it, Leah Schreiber's in it, James Garner's in it, Hackman's in it, Susan Sarandon. It's, it was wild. Like, Never sat and watched it, it, but I have flipped past it on cable because it's one of those where it's like you see in the description, you're like, fucking Twilight is on again? Right. Like, they're showing the vampires again? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And but it's, it's all, it, But it's often the Paul Newman movie. Right. I feel like they show this on USA, like, a lot. And then it was on Stars for a stretch. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I've never actually sat and watched it. But, I would yeah. honestly recommend it. I wouldn't make you do it as a two-by because it what i was getting at it it fits in this weird thing of like i'm thinking of like there's a few clint eastwoods at the end mainly true crime is the is the one i'm thinking of or maybe maybe it's blood work maybe that's after 2000 but you got this one what blood we're talking about is early 2000 right well you got blood and wine that we're talking about here you got 
Twilight. You have, I think Henry Fonda had one called Yuli's Gold. It does take place in Florida, if I'm not mistaken. But I don't think it's a, a true crime or like a thriller. If I'm not, I, I've never seen it. I've just, I remember the cover on, on video cassette shelves back in the day. But it's just weird little niche of like big name guys from, you know, the era. You know, they're kind of in their twilight, pun intended. And they're just, they're, you know, they're giving it one more go. And because I'm, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about where Nicholson's at when we get, I don't believe he's anywhere near it in this movie anyways, or anything that comes, I mean, cause there's still, there's still plenty to do after this with him, but it's just interesting that you said that because I, I, I did rewatch that one and I, I did enjoy it for what it was, okay. you know, especially Hackman being Hackman. Um, and I just have a, uh, I have a couple of new ones, like brand new ones to me. Um, and give you some stuff I caught up on TV wise, but for the most part, it was these two, and that's about it. Okay. So, um, we do TV or movies first. Whatever you want to chat about, bud. Um. Okay. So, I watched for the first time Nancy, with our girl Andrew Riceboro. Not familiar. She uh. Basically, her mother passes away, and she starts to talk to this couple. One of the husband is Steve Shimmy. They lost their daughter when they when she disappeared in the eighties. And Andrew Riceboro is like, "Oh, hey, I think I could be your daughter," but she's like a fucking pathological liar, and it's just really fucking. Okay. Br- it's really good. You should check it out. Say the name again. Nancy. Okay. Where'd you watch that? Um, I believe it was on Hulu, or or I think it might be on Prime through Showtime. One of the two. I'm not, I didn't, I forget to jot those down. Um, I watched another new one to me, American Honey. Still have not watched it. I don't, I don't know what to make of it. It's really weird because every time I felt like I'm just watching something, somebody went out and like captured true life kind of thing. I realized, well, there's actors in this and like, you know, this has to have some sort of structure and story, but it did feel like a weird, just kind of like, you know, slice, not slice, I don't, I don't want to say slice of life with stuff because it, that kind of gives it the the sheen of like it's maybe trying to be real life. But in this case, it felt like I was just kind of there with this character as she kind of moved through the world and what her world became, that sort of thing. But I would recommend it. It's, I, I can't tell you why I haven't seen it because I heard great things at the time and I have specifically sought out Andrea Arnold's previous movies. I saw Fish Tank like when it came out. Mm-hmm. And then Withering Heights is in between, mm-hmm. which I liked and enjoyed a surprising amount for like, normally I don't go for literary period, literary adaptations right. of books that I didn't bother reading when I was in high school. Except for Crime uh, and Punishment in Suburbia. You go for that all the time. I mean, I'm always down for a modern reinterpretation, right. but it was a very interesting attempt at, at period anyways. Um, and yeah, I was like totally amped to see this and then never got to it. And then it's one of those, whenever it does crop up in my brain, it's that runtime, dude. Isn't it almost three hours? Yeah. yeah. And that's the only reason I haven't. I would argue though, dude, like, I mean, we're about the, to talk about a two hour and 50 minute oh, movie. Dude, don't even get me started. Bit, dude. <laughs> I have to, I have to tell you, remind me to rem- to talk to you about the runtime of, of Scarface. Cause I watched it with Bex. Okay. She had never seen it all the way through. And I was like, 
you want to like stop now? We can go get food because we still got an hour and a half left in this thing. <laughs> she was like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah, I told you to like when I started on Netflix." I was like, "All right, buckle up." <laughs> Just, that was it. An hour and a half later, it's like, "Yeah, we still got like an hour thirty with this thing." So you mm-hmm. want to take a break, and I'll go get us some food. And we come back and finish this bad boy. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely recommend American Honey. Another new one to me, but it's older. Um, Mulholland Falls. So hoping you were going to say Mulholland Drive, uh, but go ahead. Mulholland Falls, never seen it. No. Nope. Nick Nolte, mm-hmm. Chris Penn, mm-hmm. Chaz Palminteri, mm-hmm. and there's another big name in there as well. I can't think of them. They're basically, it's it's post-war L.A. It's like, maybe it wanted to be L.A. Confidential before L.A. Confidential came out, but it's these, they're, they're four detectives. And they just, they operate like the opening scene of the movie, they're throwing a mobster down a hill. The mobster, William Peterson. Um, and they're basically like, we don't, we don't have crime here in LA. We don't have organized crime. We, we're going to clean this up. And then all of a sudden, a body gets found out in the middle of the desert, middle of, you know, around the area. It's technically desert at this time. Um, and it's none other than Miss Jennifer Conley. And we don't know why, but Nick Nolte knows who she is and he's got to figure out what happened to her. So it's, it's got a, a dead dame. And yeah, it's, it's L.A. She has a she has a uh, black black and white, very tasteful, but also that's not Jennifer Garner. Oh wait, no, it's her boobs and her face. It's not a body double. That's her. Oh my God, Jennifer Connelly, Connelly, Rocketeer, Marion, working for a dream. Um, John Malkovich is in it, as well as Treat Williams. I'm trying to tell you. On this I wasn't thing. quick enough. I was going to be like, lest we forget. Alita Battle Angel. Hello. Yes. Um, <laughs> she was great. Who but is that other dude? It's Chris Penn, Chaz Palminteri. Okay, it's on Prime. Yeah. Uh, Nick Nolte. Right. Oh, Madsen. Michael Madsen. I think. 96. Yeah. Um, I've, I've got an, a late 90s one with a bunch of character actors. Maybe the most ever assembled. And this is one of those that I was just like... How did I never sit down and watch this? I finally watched Copland. Hmm. Well, Fucking great, isn't it? What a great time! I know, man. dude. Just uh, I, I want to watch it again soon, mainly because literally every like forty-five seconds or so, there would be a new character introduced where I was like, "That guy's in this." Yeah. And that guy. Fuck it, really? Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude. One Robert of the, Patrick. One of the, what? One of the best post Goodfellas yes. Ray Liotta performances. Yes, for sure. Indeed. De Niro kind of playing against type, but not expecting it. it. Yes, indeed. Keitel, incredible. Stallone, it, probably I think inarguably his best performance. That's like, I was going to tell you, dude. I was going to tell you. Movie. I was going to tell you. That's he's the only still, one I go back to that is like. Still, I mean, if we're being real, does not hold a candle to literally any of his counterparts but it's somehow by being surrounded by that many just absolute killers Mm -hmm. he it elevates him to the best he can possibly be which is pretty impressive he's really good at this movie especially his character kind of playing against right because his character is a small town cop who's just kind of in over his head a little bit am i right yeah. Yeah. So it it fits. It make it's fitting. Yeah. I fucking love Copland. Where'd you watch it on? Because I want to watch it again. Um. We have Showtime for the moment. I okay. It's on gotcha. Showtime, so we can watch. You can watch it on Prime. Okay. Uh. Yeah, um, that's definitely one I wanted to hit. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a few more at you, and then okay. we, just very quickly. Um, I finally caught up with let them all talk. Let them all talk. Okay. Maybe I can. You can talk. Learn to talk. Uh, that was the recent Soderbergh. That was on HBO Max exclusively. Okay. Uh, Meryl Streep last year. Meryl Streep, Diane Weist, Lost Boys. Yeah. And uh, Candace Bergen as well. Oh. Murphy Brown. Super solid, dude. It's yeah. They filmed it on the Queen Mary 2. Oh, okay. As it was in, like, shot live on the boat, like, amongst passengers, essentially. Like, oh, neat. You know. And it's, I mean, it's just straight dialogue and character stuff, but, and it's, like, gorgeously shot, of course, because it's hmm. Soderbergh, but I enjoyed it. It was fun. A little, little long in the tooth, but not in a bad way. It's about yeah. two hours, but, you know, it earns its runtime, though. I would say check it out if you're. If you're just in the mood to just watch some like super solid dialogue, some of it improvised, very off the cuff, enjoyed it. Uh, finally caught up also with Kajillionaire from last year. I started it last night and I just couldn't do it. Just didn't, didn't, did didn't not vibe me. with it. Oh, no. dude, loved it. In retrospect, probably it probably my top fifteen of last year. Yeah, really, really enjoyed it. But I did. Did you ever see Me and You and Everyone We Know? Maybe a long time ago. It definitely, like I don't know. Miranda July is definitely an acquired taste, just like her style in general. But that's what I like about her. Is like nobody else makes movies like that, right? Um, she's only done three, to my knowledge, unless I'm missing one. But uh, me and you and everyone we know with her boy John Hawks, yeah, and she's in it as well. She's fantastic in it. Uh, the future. Which is pretty solid, but probably even less approachable for you. And I loved Kajillionaire, dude. I might give it a chance again. Do I you just... watch Westworld? No. So I've I've fallen off with. I'm I have watched every season, but to diminishing returns. I kind of hate the show at this point, but um, I've always liked Evan Rachel Wood as an actress. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was like. 100% just like disappeared into a character right in a way that I hadn't fully like seen her do in a while in terms of like a, a solid indie and I, I don't know I thought she was great I love Richard Jenkins and everything oh, yeah Deborah was it Deborah Winger it was yeah because yeah, I recognized yeah. the voice because uh, I'm, I'm only familiar I, with her from I don't the, know when the ranch. You, I don't know when you tapped out did you get to the airport scam no it's very early in the movie but it introduces what the movie is actually about. There's another character that enters the equation. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the thrust of the movie. Okay. Basically, they meet another young woman when they're in the midst of this scheme and kind of like incorporate her into it. And then she comes in to the family dynamic and it's like, okay, how's this going to go? Hmm. And that's, but yeah, that shift in okay. like the status quo is what the movie is like centered around i got you it well, gets way better but if you weren't vibing with it i don't mean, know when you tapped out exactly i tapped out kind of after the like really after the first little he told her to go get a refund for the massage thing it was very early oh okay and i just turned on twister and watched twister again because i <laughs> that is the most gavin thing yeah. i've ever heard just for the deep purple. I, I, yeah. yeah. I highly recommend Kajillionaire. I even recommend that Gavin goes back and finishes it. Uh, it's on HBO Max right now if you want to watch it. Okay. That's to anybody that's interested. Okay. Including yourself, possibly. Okay. Did you did you watch The Conjuring? The Devil Made Me Do It? No. You did I've, not? I've not seen any Conjuring movies. 
zero. Yeah. Those people are frauds. Expanded universe. <laughs> yeah. Are you legit? You haven't seen any? No, I haven't seen okay, any. Okay, so I don't. It's, I, I will very That's I will what I want to talk quickly. to. I, I told you I want to talk about the state of horror when we get to October. Absolutely. That's going to be part of the conversation. And we will. And, and I'll I probably would, watch all of them and too. I would, I would love to actually like sit down with mom. doesn't necessarily have to be on a podcast. I know you're listening, mom. I do want to talk to her about like what she loves about these and like if she thinks they hold a candle in any way to some of the stuff that, to me, these movies are like huffing the fumes of. Right. But this one in particular was just like so many direct visual references to superior films, right. classic films that it only draws your attention to like, oh, this is this is a copy this of a copy of a copy of a copy. And again, maybe that's my broken horror brain of just having watched too many of them and knowing the you know the cliches, the pitfalls, etc. But I just I I thought there was one decent pretty like effective scare very early in the movie mm-hmm. and then just nothing did it for me for the rest and i did not watch two okay i've only seen the first one mm-hmm. i've not seen any of the expanded universe and i never watched two which i know a lot of people say is even better than the first one i saw the first one in the theater super hyped for it based on the trailer everybody else is losing their mind i'm predicting every like move mm-hmm. five beats before it happens right and i just like I was, I was bummed out because I was like I was, I was wanting to be, and I I respected the technique. I appreciated the actual like oh he's doing like long takes. He's actually building up some suspense. The like German expressionistic type. Like oh yeah, I'm doing like a Halloween like a long take. I'm, I'm not cutting quickly like the Saw movies and the Purge movies. I'm, there's much like German expressionism I'm, in the Conjuring. But anyways, yeah. filmmaking terms, yeah, cinema. Thin. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I respected the technique. It just like I I was like okay, didn't do it for me. Whatever. It goes on to become the biggest current yeah. horror franchise post Paranormal Activity, and I guess you know the purge is swimming around in there somewhere yeah. in terms of like solid well, did deliverable you, did you success see in terms of budget. You didn't watch that yet. I'm waiting for it to drop. Me too. I'm waiting for the price to drop. I'm not dropping 20 for it. I'll tell you that much. But it looked really interesting. It did. And I was so excited until I realized that it's just directed by friggin' Darren Lynn Bousman. One of the guys who's made like a bunch of the terrible ones. Right. And I'm like, okay. I thought we were bringing in like a new. But I'll argue that like. Yeah. But like if he's already having to operate in a set up thing and it's a franchise of like. We got to do this. We got to do that. If he doesn't get the chance to like stake his claim, kind of like you know the two guys who made the first one did, he's not gonna like. If you give him that chance with this, because every time I watched the trailer, I was like, oh sh- fuck, okay, Chris Rock, fuck oh, Sam Jackson, uh, uh, my boy Nick from The Handmaid's Tale, he's in it. All right, let's do this. Yeah. So I'm waiting on that one to drop. I think that would be one I will watch and talk about. Definitely I was going to say, October. I'm just going to wait for October, and yeah. that'll definitely be one that we cover, because it will have to be discounted I'm sure. Then. If not, it'll be out. Or it'll be like on Hulu. Yeah. They will have picked it up or some shit. Exactly. So, uh, okay, we'll hit a few more. We're almost about 20 minutes in. We should probably kick off the two-by-two. Two. Uh, but yeah, anyways, Conjuring, not directed by James Wan. Right. Um, the third one that I'm talking about here. The devil made me do it. And like gone are the slow, like tension filled build ups, long takes. 
a lot more quick cutty and a lot of like the problems I had with the the it movies of like loud sound design and CGI mm-hmm. just pumping in my face does not scare me it doesn't do it for me like that movie we talked and about and I realized last like time. in a theater amongst a mass of people on a giant screen maybe it plays differently than like watching it at home but you know I tried to set the mood I turned all the lights out I lit a candle you know, I was trying, and th- admittedly, it's not really my vibe. Mm-hmm. Like, in ju- that ghost story slash no, that, like no. supernatural entity. I like movies that have those elements, but that's not like my go-to. The one that's we not just, what scares the, me in horror. The like the Empty Man. Most. Yes, like that. There's no jump there's, like yeah, that. There's but a different the, the, kind of right. supernatural, and it's right. all about like tone at the end of the day. Right. Like with the Empty Subtlety. Man, which doesn't have any like true jump scares but right. has like bone chilling moments like we talked about. visually scary we're totally we're yeah. just we're getting amped on october we're it's, getting it's, summer it's, is not even yeah. over yet right um can i finish with the few i have left i'm just gonna reel them off real quick oh you got please any more? do just conjuring three not a not a fan okay it is on hbo max i think for like another week if you do want to check it out though. okay um brand new ones i watched becky with uh kevin james okay um Eh, it's not what I thought it was going to be, but also good. I have a problem when dogs die on screen, so if you are skidded, you don't like that, don't watch this movie. Uh, but other than that, it was all stylistically, visually looked pretty good. Story was kind of amped. They really but, should have a disclaimer right. before the movie that's like rated D for dog death. Yeah. And rated double D for dog death. You just let everybody know. Right, exactly. There um, is a site, though, just for anybody who's good. curious. Um I'll run it through. The, I'll run I think it's I literally watch. called like "Does the Does the Dog Die" or "Does mm-hmm. the Cat Die," and you can look up any movie and see basically if there's any animal death or even like, oh, they threw a cat around like roughly for a second or something like that. Like it tells you everything so that if you have any of those like yeah. triggers with movies that you can now. Luckily, on. it was not. It was a King Corso, not a pit bull. But I did. I did watch this with Bex. Mm-hmm. So when there was a dog that got killed, she was like, "Oh fuck no!" And then like she was just on edge for the rest of the movie. And I was like, "Okay, oh, there are." multiple horror movies that I've had to abandon ship on because I was re-watching them with Veronica, forgetting that there was cat-related stuff in them and then having to bail. Drag me to hell. Perfect example. Yeah. We were a good ways through and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit, she kills her. Yeah, she kills her cat. Oh, we got to bail on this one. But I'm doing all this internally. And then Veronica's like, oh, why, why are we not watching? I'm like, because, like, you're definitely not going to be able to root for her character after she does this. But like, you might like the ending, like, so, hey, why don't we um, just stick it I, out? I, I would, that's what I wanted to say, but I was like, she's not going to, like, she's just going to be so checked out on the movie after yeah. this that she's, like, not good. But she yeah. was digging it up until that point, and I was just like, oh, God. Just go get a drink. Go get a drink. <laughs> go get a drink. Yeah. Anyways, um, go ahead. All right. Sorry. Uh, one Night in Bangkok. Brand new one. Okay. Uh, it's... Imagine if like Tom Cruise wasn't doing bad shit; he was just getting revenge and um, uh, collateral. It's basically that, but it's Mark DeCoscos. So oh, okay, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so a little different. Yeah, he does do a lot of fighting, just a lot oh, of guns, man. a lot of gun stuff. You yeah, but it's pretty dope. I mean, I like him. He was he. You definitely. I don't know. I don't know if he was trying to do anything with it. He seemed like he was having a fun time. I would recommend it if you just want to throw something on that you don't have to worry about. Um, and the last new one I watched was The Gentleman, Mr. Guy Ritchie. Where is that available now? 
Um, if not Hulu, it's on Prime. One of the two. Okay. Fucking loved it. Table it because I do. I, it'll be. It'll, it'll, if, if you had any it's problem the first with guy Richie, when I've been excited about. If you've had all, any problem with Prime. anything with him in the last couple outings, Robin Hood. Skipped it. Yeah. King Arthur skipped it. No. Wait, Robin Hood? That's not, not Robin it. Hood. King Arthur's one. King I'm Arthur of. skipped yeah. it. Um, Which I did like. Aladdin skipped it. Man from Uncle skipped it. Heard it was good though. I did like Man from Uncle. I did not um, know he did Aladdin. He did do Aladdin. Holy shit! Balls. Skipped it as well. Yeah. Uh, I think I already said that. You will lo- the way this is set up, the just the filmically like what how the narrative transpires is brilliant to me, and everybody's a player in it. I fucking love it. You, if you're not impressed, I'll be amazed. Okay. Um, yeah, and finished The Handmaid's Tale, started watching Clarkson's Farm, finished all four seasons of The Great Pottery Throwdown, British show, Okay, and uh, finished Hacks, like we said. We both finished Hacks, huge recommend, Love one it. of my favorite shows of the year, definitely will probably be sticking around on the old top ten list. When and we, I uh, already told you I rewatched Twister, but I also rewatched True Romance and The Manchurian Candidate, which technically I had never seen. OG or Denzel? Denzel. Very nice. Saw it in the theater with mom. Very striking. Some of the imagery kind of fucked with me a little bit. Who made that movie? I didn't catch the director. Who was it? Somebody important? Somebody good? Is it Antoine Fuqua? It's an Oscar winner. Is it John Singleton? It is a John. A Thin. Demi? Yeah. Oh! Yeah, it's a Demi that, movie. That right? makes complete sense why I was just All the close ups? <laughs> All, all the intense fucking close-ups. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. All of the fucking, like, mind control. Yeah. Fucking, yeah. We gave them a war hero. Yeah. Force in the desert in the dark. That's my streep. If you like... That's my streep. That's not great. Um, <laughs> no, it's If not. you, like, you did the whole, my daughter, Nick Nolte thing you did. <laughs> like, if you like that, you will love Mulholland Falls. There's a lot of Nick Nolte getting to that level in that movie. I promise you. Dude, I... If I could take like his Cape Fear energy, not De Niro's Cape Fear energy, Mm-mm. Nick Nolte's Cape Fear energy, and like the merge it and merge it with Pacino's Heat energy, I feel like we like you couldn't even put it on camera. It would no. be so electric. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like if I ever got to direct a movie, that's the direction I would give my actor. All right, you know De Niro from Heat, yeah. You, Nick Nolte back half of Cape Fear, yeah. Use that <laughs> scene and just watch him go. Like you know. You know what? Act like David Caruso in Jade. Do it like Gary Oldman from The Professional. (laughs) Everyone! All right. I did have one final one. I went back to the theater. Oh. Recently. What'd you watch? The Sparks Brothers, the first of two Edgar Wright movies from this year. Oh, okay. It's a documentary on the band Sparks. Um, It was very, very good. That's good. It's only in theaters right now. It'll be on VOD eventually, but if it is playing near you and you feel comfortable going out to a theater, uh, or if you're comfortable sitting with a mask on, yeah, go for it. Yeah, highly recommend it. One of one of my favorite movies of the year so far. One of the best docs I've seen. Um, maybe Gavin and I can talk about it in a couple of weeks, and I think I actually will have a special guest coming in to discuss that movie specifically. But more on that later. Okay. Uh, okay. Are Blood and Wine. Blood and Wine. From 1996, is that correct? Yeah, we are like, what, we are 
we're halfway through the tour. What's that? We're halfway through the tour, baby. What tour? We've knocked down 94, 95. We got 96 to go. We already got the news. Dad's coming back in 90, 98 after a trip to Korea. Oh, we where are, we're at. In we're in the middle of Japan. Line. I was, I was a yeah. little lost there. Sorry. Apologies. Okay. Uh, before we get too much further, let's take a listen to the trailer. This is a thousand points of light. What did you just do? I like to take a photo of the goods. Avoids any disagreement on the sale. You got me in the picture. Did I? Alex Gates thought he committed the perfect crime. And he calls somebody from the police department. But there were some things he didn't count on. Nice to have you home, just for the novelty. This is uh, my stepson, Jason. Gabriella, Jason. Jason, Gabriella. I'm going to take you places, baby. Oh, yeah, where? You trust the girl? Yeah, I trust her. She doesn't know anything. I put Terry's life insurance into that store, and you spend it on your girlfriends while my checks bounce. Don't you tell me I didn't try. All right, give me the keys. You are going to talk to me. What happened? We're leaving. They won't be hard to find. I know how they think. This was in the suitcase. Assume me. If we ever find the kid, we'll use a blowtorch on him. I found it. Come quickly. You told him how to find us. He's only a kid. He's a thief. Him and his mother. Where is it? I already gave the damn thing back to Alex. Why don't I believe you? Jack Nicholson. They'll make a move soon, Nick. He told me he already did. You talk to Jason? You think you can cut me out? Steven Dorff. Who's your English pal? He's coming after you too, Jason. You figured that out? I'll count on it. Jennifer Lopez. Don't look at me like that. You slept with him. You're crazy. Where? No place, okay? No place! Judy Davis. Sometimes you gotta keep up relationships. Apparently not with me. And Michael Caine. There's no such thing as honor among thieves. It's a myth. <laughs> Stealing a fortune is easy. Don't do this. You did. Keeping it can be murder. Wake up, Alex. Why you not gonna make it? I want to see your face. Blood and wine. Just tell me where it is so I can get out of your life. Well, that was intense. Yeah. I love 90s trailers. I love any anytime we got a trailer guy voice, man. I miss it so much. Was it Don Don LaFontaine? Is that his name? He was one of the big ones. That's definitely not Don LaFontaine. Oh yeah, no, not on this one. I don't know who that guy was, but he did a decent job. It was a pretty, you know. Yeah. If that was a radio ad, I'm checking it out at least. Uh, Huge bomb. We can say that from the top. Uh, Made just under two million dollars at the U.S. box office. Uh, Not a hit. Not a the late period hit Rafelson was probably hoping for. As I mentioned, directed by Bob Rafelson. Gavin, I'm pretty positive you've never seen Five Easy Pieces or The King of Marvin Gardens. I'd be glad to lend you my criterions when you leave here tonight. Both fantastic. Both starring Jack Nicholson. The King of Marvin Gardens. Him and Bruce Dern and Ellen Burstyn, dude. They're playing Monopoly the entire time? No, they're hanging out in Atlantic City, and it's just a character study. It's fucking really good. Hmm. Very good movie. And Five Easy Pieces is a straight-up masterpiece. And it came out, those came out when? 70s. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, wait, why was I even asking? Oh, well, yeah. Excuse me, I'm so sorry. They were happening in the uh, 70s. He also directed uh, one that I have yet to get to, but Stay Hungry, 
the Schwarzenegger Jeff Bridges movie. Are you familiar yeah, with this movie? I know. Yes. Yeah, never seen it, but I know which one you're talking. It's available about. on Pluto TV right now, so I may be checking that out very very soon. What do you want to do? You want to do? Oh, plot I, time guess again? I, I guess I guess this it's is your my pick, job because you know. it is the one that I picked. Yeah. So this is a a sun sun drenched. Not, not really. A lot of it takes place at night. Um, <laughs> and did, 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 I guess that's my question. Did it feel like Florida to you? No. I I only, think they did shoot on location, or maybe only like a few times did I get the feel like okay, like that's Miami. Uh, you know, they do mention going places that are close to Miami, like, was it, uh, Largo Key or wherever they wound up going to get away from? Yeah. So, so they did film in Key Largo and just, uh, Virginia Key, Florida as well. And then a lot of shooting in Illinois as well, where I'm like, okay, well, what, what part of the movie was that? I feel like the, the car stuff backing down the, the, the country roads, because you having one of the things I think I've mentioned whenever I've talked about my travels and my fun time in Florida is always trying to find a different route than what everyone goes down. So not using uh, not I-95 as much, I-4 and I-75. When I come home, I actually go up U.S. Highway 301 and 441, you know. They, they run all over the place because kids, before there was the interstate, there was the U.S. highway system. And if you get on U.S. Highway 1... I love how you're assuming that, like, anybody... Under the age of twenty, listens to this show. I know, yeah. It's some listen. There's some kids, people I talk to. They don't realize that the white signs mean something different than the blue one. So I have to tell people this. Um, but anyway, I would imagine some of that stuff where they're doing like the car chase shit, probably Illinois. Okay. Maybe some of the houses. So, but, but yeah, we lay it down. Okay. Jack Nicholson plays Alex Gates, as you heard there in the trailer, and he's got a fledgling wine business. Uh, not a lot of wine. No. One of my first notes for a movie called Blood and Wine. Not a lot of wine. But he's a wine dealer. It's not going great. And we subsequently find out that he's basically, he's in debt. He's trying to get a score to right. get him out from under. Desperate mm-hmm. times, that sort of thing. He has a stepson, played by Mr. Stephen Dorff. And this is this is pre-Blade. Right. 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 Yes. Before Blade. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into everybody's career points. But basically, the stepson, he's a fisherman working with old Harold Perrineau Jr. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I thought you'd enjoy that. I did I did enjoy that very much, actually. And his mother, uh, Nicholson's wife, is played by Judy Davis, who we could talk about for an entire podcast. Very interesting actress. Yes. And he has a planned heist uh, with the assistance of his English buddy, Played by Michael Caine. Mr. Michael Caine. Sir Michael Caine. <laughs> the size of a tangerine. Okay. <laughs> Some men just want to watch the world. Everybody play. goes to, to Dark Knight, but I'm all about Rises, dude. I failed you. Yeah. Never I'm mind. Barry. That, I would wait. That's totally not him. I was like, I will not bury another way. <laughs> okay. I've telegraphed him at the end of the film. <laughs> Well, I always wanted for you. Anyway. Okay. But side note, real quick. I've been listening to a lot of, well, I don't know about that with Jim Jeffries and the way that he does different people's accents. Like, well, if you're from Brighton, he'd be like, oh, that's all right. Great. Just like him doing other people from the UK's accent is ridiculous. If you haven't listened to that show, you ought to take a look. Listen, it's 
pretty funny. Take a look and a listen. Look and a listen, yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, he's got a scheme which involves the assistance of his English criminal buddy, played by Michael Caine. Which I got to say, I thought was going to go off with like something bad. Like, oh, somebody got killed when they weren't supposed to. Goes off without a hitch. Oh, yeah. No problem. This is all about the the aftermath of, right. of a heist. And the uh, the wild card in this scenario, if you will, is the nanny who works at the family of the place that they're robbing. Right. Uh, and they're, they're getting a, a gorgeous diamond necklace. I don't know. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a jewelry guy. No, me neither. I'm not. Just not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yes, excuse me. Jennifer Lopez plays Gabriella. This is pre, this is like right around the time of Anaconda, we'll, right? We'll, yeah, right in the neighborhood. We'll get into everybody's careers in a minute. Post Selena. Basically, yes. Anaconda. The heist goes off without a hitch. Yes. The complications come from the fact that Nicholson's having, an, spoiler alert, an affair with Jennifer Lopez. And the, uh, the wife is aware. And, yeah, she kind eventually of, calls him on it. Yeah, basically. At the right most inopportune he, time. Yes, the worst possible time. When he's, like, literally a plane ride away from basically sewing up his future and basically disappearing with Jennifer Lopez. Uh, before we get into where everybody was in their career, I just got to point out from the top. How did you feel about the simple fact that, like, it's basically revealed, oh, there's a romantic relationship between Jack Nicholson and Jennifer Lopez. Did did nope. you brush up against the age difference? And nope. did you also happen to look up the age difference? Didn't look up the age difference, didn't brush up against it, because Noah, Florida is a magical place <laughs> where anyone's dreams can come true. Okay. So let's just let's just say that up from, from Jump Street. Are I you curious all, though? How was since it, I bothered years? to bring it up? Thirty two years her senior hey 32 years and here's the main reason i wanted to bring it up because i 100 percent buy it oh of because course the raw sexual magnetism of, of jack nicholson continued well into the 2000s i would say i would yeah if if not i mean i haven't seen him lately but you never know well, Jack could still well, have it. Yeah, none of us have seen him lately. I don't think for the last few years, actually. Yeah. I hope he's doing well. He was supposed to like come back to acting, and then it never quite happened. I like to think but that maybe he's, like, a, maybe he's about uh, maybe Nicholson he's just, in the 90s. What if he had like this amazing career in like Ukraine or like one of these you know Eastern European countries, and we're just never going to see the movies he's been in? Oh, dude, I would love if there's like a treasure trove of lost Nicholson movies from oh, the last several years. That'd be great. Uh, okay. So the man is coming off an Oscar nomination, if I'm not mistaken, for Batman, correct? In 1989? He right. pulled the, he got the nom. At he least. got the nom, yeah. Is that correct? I believe so. No. He didn't. He was not nominated. Excuse me. It won for Best Art Direction. Oh. Oh, excuse me. But that's, yeah, that's it. That's wild. Wow. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, disregard. He's coming off the rousing success of Batman, where he was paid, if I'm not mistaken, the most money of any actor at the time mm-hmm. for a single role. Right. I think he made $20 million at the time, if I'm not mistaken. Was this the first $20 million movie? I believe so. But I also know he notoriously got the like crazy merchandising deal, where it was like... Mm-hmm. Some ridiculous percentage of all the merch 
straight to him, basically for agreeing to be in a comic book movie. Mm-hmm. And so he parlayed that into a 90s where he could pretty much do whatever the hell he wanted. Mm-hmm. Immediately starting with The Two Jakes in 1990, which he directs and stars in. It's the sequel to Chinatown. Yes. With him and Harvey Keitel. Because we all know One he is on the you... same level as, what's his face? What? Polanski. I mean, we we can talk about that whole side of things, <laughs> but I would really rather just... No, I'm go. saying artistically as a director, he is on the same level, if not better than Polanski. He should make the sequel. It goes without saying. Right, we're not in the two Jakes is one of those movies that yeah you I was when I watched it this was also a Sycamore rental probably right around the same time as Blood and Wine mm-hmm. but I was like oh I wanted to be like oh everybody overlooked this it's incredible and like it's really good but like it's not China right yes. it's just not it's not China in this case it's not Chinatown. China Jake, it's not. And I'm sure that was pretty much every review at the time. Right. Hey, guess what? It's not Chinatown. Uh, then he does Man Trouble mm-hmm. in 92, which I have not seen. That's another Bob Rafelson joint. Oh, wow. Uh, the least well-regarded from what I understand, but co-starring the lovely and talented Ellen Barkin. Oh, okay. Harry Dean Stanton. Hmm. Beverly D'Angelo. Michael McKean, Saul Rubinek, dude. It's a. It looks like a pretty. Veronica Cartwright's in there. Oh wow! It looks like a pretty solid cast. So if it ever pops up on streaming, Man Trouble. It's a comedy romance about a sleazy but. A, what? Hold on a moment. A sleazy but affable guard dog trainer is blackmailed to steal a manuscript for a tell-all book from one of his clients. Sounds like a very simple, clean, plot and narrative. Wow. So nobody. Nobody cares about Man Trouble. Does not do well. But, but the same year, dude. They can't handle the truth. They no can't one. handle it. They can't. Is that an Oscar nomination? It has to be. Come on. I mean, Kenny, like, I mean, come on. That's like, that's yes, iconic. he did get Best Supporting right. nomination. Did not win, but got the, got the nod. Okay. Also same year, Hoffa, directed by DeVito. Oh, Okay. Solid movie. Another one. I was like, oh, I, I want to love this, but it, it's all right. It's no death to Smoochie. Right. That. He does Wolf in 94. Kind of a cable classic. Yeah, I remember it it's vaguely. One of the weirdest, like, wait, Mike Nichols directed this? Like, oh, yeah. very, very strange pairing. But like, and I think it did okay. Reasonable hit. I think like at least worldwide. Um. And then we get into this this stretch where it's like, oh, he's doing kind of more interesting, small scale of it. Does The Crossing Guard, the first collaboration with Sean Penn. We talked about the pledge on our first episode of this season. And so that was the first outing with Penn. I've told you a little bit about it. Definitely not a candidate I want to do. Just a depressing, dark fucking movie that's not particularly enjoyable, but he is very good in it. Uh, And then we hit Blood and Wine which we're going to talk about in a minute, just to round out his 90s. Uh, the Evening Star, which I know nothing about. Mars Attacks, childhood classic. We saw it in the theater. Total blast. Playing That's multiple weird. characters. They huh? bill it, well, it must have, maybe Blood and Wine was one of those, like, it'll be out in theaters, and because it, it had to come out, like, after Mars Attacks. Mars Attacks is December of 96. 
this has it here is to February 21st, 97, but I imagine they probably did limited release. I feel like Blood and Wine is probably like a late fall release, I would imagine. No, no, it's got oh, release date February 27th, 97. Oh, dump month. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah, it was probably limited in 96 and then got released yeah. in 97. Okay, but Mars Attacks, and then, I mean, the next year, all of this is washed away because he fucking wins another Oscar for As Good As It Gets. Which I've actually never seen. It's a good movie. It's not my favorite Nicholson. Mm-hmm. For a while, I guess it was, like, his persona. One thing I like about this is, like, when when I was going through this period where I was, like, he's one of my favorite actors. Let me just dive into everything. It was basically when I had started watching a lot of the 70s stuff, starting with the tail end of the 60s with Easy Rider and then, like, expanding into all the new Hollywood stuff. Right. And I watched five easy pieces and start going from there, basically. And I'm, like... Oh, he's literally I like I see why he's considered one of the greats alongside like Pacino, De Niro, etc. And I also knew at that point I was like, well, he has the reputation of like he became one of those guys who like he became more of the persona of himself and not right. really like characters. And I was like, well, when is that Jack? Period. And I really don't feel like it's actually it really isn't until like the 2000s. Right. But he even reclaims it very early on in like something like about Schmidt, oh, which yeah. is total like, you know, an acknowledgement of like how everybody it's totally playing against type at that point from like what people probably expected. And then what's he followed up with anger management, which I feel like is like that's the Jack like yeah. persona. The whole reason his that real Sandler life gets Jack for more. that is because like it's Jack. Right. But then you go against type with the pledge as well, because I don't feel like he's playing towards that anyway. That's what I'm saying. So I feel like he always kind of balanced it out. Right. Where I feel like you did see kind of one for him. You did see kind of runs from Pacino and De Niro where it just felt like diminishing returns, like what are you guys doing? What's going on here kind of thing. But Um, I argue but I'll argue that like at that point even they have, you know, peaks and valleys. At that point they got nothing to prove at that point you know what i mean all of them yeah. all of them and so like they're it's, all oscar winners yeah they've all won they've all they maybe done didn't this. win for you know the ones they should but right. they all racked one up at some right. point yeah and so you could even track this as like who gets the longevity of a career off of a name opposed to who's got the best like catalog overall performance wise because at the end of the day it's just playing pretend it's just getting up there and reading saying something to someone else but who does it the best you know and to be honest one of the things about this i really enjoyed was steven dorf because i you know how he exists in my mind noah somewhere between blade deacon frost and blade deuce is wild true detective that's May it. we never forget it Deuce's Wild. Those are the three things. Sorry. Another one I'm sorry. I'm shocked that you have not thrown my way. Yeah. Since we started doing this. because I love you. you got to save some stuff for season three. Exactly. And I'll even argue Cecil be demented. Like, those are the three, the four things now, that, that exist. that I could be down for. Those are the we four things some, that exist in some, me. We should get some John Waters on this podcast. Oh, we can. Point. We can do that anytime you want. Pecker? Yeah, we sure. Pecker? We could do Pink Flamingos if you want to. Yeah. Do Multiple Maniacs is on HBO Max. I was going to say, yeah, that's on there, too. Um, he just talked with Mark Maron as well. Great episode. Oh, yeah. Very. Yeah. One of the best. Um, hey, but, if you haven't heard or uh, if you're not subscribed to WTF, you know, <laughs> go do it. 
Yeah. Anyways, I'm gonna send him an email and be like, "Dude, we tell I tell people we promote to your podcast to the 15 to 25 people that listen <laughs> yeah. to us." So can you? But it's like, just because it's so good. Out, bro? It's just because you're so good at it. It's all right. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, no, Stephen Dorff. That is the that's the the highlight for me because. I don't think I've ever seen anything that, uh, like I watched something the other day it was Cole Creek Manor with Quaid and he was in that. And I was like, holy shit, here he is. Like it, yeah, it's like, it's, it's this, he exists as like a weird, I always, I, I haven't done it. I need to, I want to like get his relationship to Hollywood and how he's perceived, perceived by people at different times. Cause I feel like he's one of these people that like, he came out a little while ago. I was like, yeah, I like am a smoker, was a smoker. And like that kind of ostracized me from certain people in the industry. They may have not looked at me a certain way, this and that. And I feel like since true detective season three, he's kind of come up people like, where the hell's this guy been? And it's like, it's because it's even what Mark Marin said when he talked to Stephen Dorff. It's like you disappeared and you show back up in this. I know he had a Fox show. I don't know if they've canceled that yet. Cause Fox cancels everything. Um, and I don't know if he's been anything. He's been. He was in a movie as like a. He was a MMA fighter. It was about his son. I didn't watch it, but it looked good. Um, like a study on toxic masculinity or something. But this would. He was a surprising gem in this because it was like, he's perfect for it. He can hold his own with big guys like that. And so when he, you know, if that's who he's kind of like, quote unquote, cutting his teeth on, and he's like, he's got Michael Caine, he's got Jack Nicholson. I feel like the chemistry with Jennifer Lopez is right there, but he also has like his own kind of brooding. I want something more from life deal going on, but he also is a streetwise hustler. So it's kind of like he's got it all, you know? And that was the one thing I I will say, if you, I think he's solid in it. And it is, I mean, it is kind of a demanding role. And as much as like we start with him, it's very much like his story. It's what it feels like. like, Nicholson and Kane are like supporting characters, but it's, you know, He's right. kind of your hero if there is one, which there's not really a hero no. with this scenario. And it's kind of, oh, it's perfect. got noir vibes and it's got, it's got the instincts of a 70s movie, mm-hmm. but still shot in a very 90s way, which I think is right. where a little bit of the disconnect happens with me where I'm like, I like this. I want to love it though. And he, and again, I told you before we went back to this, I was like, I was hoping Oh, I like kind of liked it when I was a kid. Maybe I'll love it or like get more out of it now. I and think, that didn't really happen. I but, think you. I've just brain pop idea. You got to name this episode Florida. No place for heroes. Dot dot dot. Done. What's that? The name of the episode is Two by Two Retro Review, Season Two, Episode Six. Blood and Wine, X. Scarface, colon Florida, <laughs> no place for heroes. Okay, I'll see if I can fix <laughs> see if you can fix that in there. That'd be great. Okay, or just maybe put it on the cover art. You know, that'd be great. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I'll get right on. That. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll get a man right on that. Job. Yeah. Okay. You are the only man we know that. Okay. Um. So, let me just let me throw something out to you. You may have seen it in the trivia. This may not be like a revelation. I'm glad that you liked him in it. But imagine if it wasn't Stephen Dorff and instead it was a 1996 Ethan Hawke. Mm. Better movie? My own private dreamboat. (laughs) 
What? I'm sorry. Oh, both of them? (laughs) Sorry. On a yacht somewhere? No. In the Keys? I can see it. I know. I can see Ethan Hawke in that. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying he was, that's who they wanted originally. He was like this close to doing it. This is like right, this would have been the same year as what, Before Sunrise? I was going to say, was he doing Before Sunrise? I think so. Or he would have maybe just finished it. Yeah. Right around the same time. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, But yeah, I'm sure it was something else. Maybe it was like, when's Gattaca? Is that 97 or 98? If it, uh, yeah, 98, I feel like I that believe. was probably like a lengthy shoot probably. or something. I don't know. But anyways, he de- he declined and did something else instead. And I feel like had it been a bigger success, Dwarf would have popped here. Right. Because I do think he's really solid in it. But instead, he's just got to wait like two more years. But the, oddly, Blade doesn't really like... I mean, weirdly, he was a name to us as kids. I don't really know why. Other than just, like, there was Blade. Like you said, there was Deuces Wild. But what else was in there that, like, made right, him Steven Dorf to us? I, you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Like, we, there had to be something. I don't something. know why we lacked Is it just the name? Is it, it is. is that charisma? Is it that charisma? Is I mean, it there something? Did, there's definitely fair, something about him. I did watch Blade, like, an inordinate amount of times. Right. And it was on TNT so much when we were kids. Yeah, but I'll argue that, like... If I'm like seriously, I'll admit this on camera, or, and on <laughs> and on microphone. Are you, are you fucking he, filming? Us, yeah, bro? yeah, of course. You filming me, bro? Yeah, bro. Hey, don't pop off. We don't appreciate it. Um, he was one of the dudes that I was like, as I'm growing up, watch. I'm like, I'd like, I could be him. I want to be him, like like Ryan Phillippe and and Leonardo DiCaprio, and somewhere in there is um, oddly enough, Jean Renault. Uh, Dude, so. Di- DiCaprio, <laughs> yeah, Sean. Ray. That's kind of all your personalities rolled into one. For yeah, sure. um, yeah, and think about like DiCaprio in this, like going toe to toe with Nicholson. See, I don't a think... full like decade before they do it in The Departed. That yeah, could have been interesting. Yeah. Well, what about De Niro in The Departed? I'm not trying to just like brush Stephen Dorff aside. He's very good at it. No, he is. Okay, Nicholson. I think it. He's. He's playing a character. He's doing some of his old tricks. Yeah. Some of his natural charisma. But it works for me. I don't think it's... I don't even think it's in like the top 20 best Nicholson performances. No. But it's not a bad one either. Mm-mm. So, not that I don't know if there are any like bad like stinkers for me. The he's Nicholson only one of the... He's one of very few that I can look at and be like, Nah, I watch anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. You know? And that's the thing with this movie in general is like little cliched in some parts maybe you want it to be a little more twisty go a little more in depth with things but like it's pretty fucking watchable i think as like a again i was kind of in the mood for like a 90s again like i said a light thriller yeah like the stakes are not too high in this Mm -mm. other than like and i guess in different hands in more quote unquote like postmodern hands. Right. This is a Cohen Brothers movie. This kind of crime aftermath, bunch of corrupt characters, like how do things shake out? Somebody dies for no reason. But it doesn't have that Cohen Brothers esque like sense of dark irony or like you know grander themes really. It is just kind of like a noir exercise that happens to be elevated by I think some pretty decent dialogue. And some pretty solid performance. For me, the highlight is Michael Caine as this, like, 
literally on death's door. Right. Jewel thief. Jewel thief who's just like, I'm literally like smoking myself to death. I've got my inhaler and shit. I, the coughing he does in this dude, I'm like, dude. Somebody get him. Is he okay? Literally? Like, is he going to make I it? I think he drank all the wine and now he's coughing up all the blood, yo. Damn. <laughs> That's what it was all about. It was yeah. all about Victor. About Michael Caine's <laughs> character. Victor. And yeah, you kind of, you get the idea from, you know, they pull off the heist. They they show up at this house. Very easy, safe cracking. So they just pose as uh, pest control. Are they pest control or what was the deal? Or no, they're working on the pipes because he has a wine cellar. Right, they got to get in to make sure it stays cool, yeah. And Gabriella's already been fired, so that was a a wrench into the plan. She was supposed to let them in, so the security guys show up, but they still managed to pull it off. They get the necklace. They're all in the clear, right? Right. All they got to do, take it to New York, see the fence, essentially, sell it, good to go. He's packed, Nicholson is packing, he's about to go meet Gabriella, played by Jennifer Lopez once again. I think we got all the character names down. And old Judy Davis is just, she's not having it, dude. Mm-hmm. And they they tussle, they get into it, and she, for the first time in this movie, a reoccurring thing of the noir genre, mm-hmm. um, a principal character who just like consistently gets the shit beaten out of him. And in this movie, it's Nicholson. Yeah. He gets like roughed up multiple times. Indeed. By Judy Davis, by Michael Caine. By Stephen Dorff, uh, by a boat. Spoiler alert. Uh, yeah. So basically, they have a huge fight. She leaves with his luggage, which happens to contain the necklace, and she and son Stephen Dorff go on the run. Uh, the kind of the midsection of the movie is now Nicholson and Kane hunting them down, and Nicholson kind of seems like he's having it a slight change of heart or at least like seeing the damage that he's done by like obviously cheating on his wife and this kind of like terse relationship he has with the stepson and so he's a little reticent when in the midst of this you know pretty decent little car chase it's nothing special yeah but uh car gets flipped Michael Caine pits it basically and Judy Davis dies in the car wreck and uh steven dorf is incapacitated but survives and nicholson's like visibly upset but still one of the darker moments in the entire movie uh as he's talking to her and as she's basically taking her dying breaths is like where is it like just tell me where it is so i get out of your life blah 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 and she just tells him fuck you and it's like have you seen Judy Davis and anything else, dude? No, where Naked would I know? lunch. Um, You'd have to tell me something. I. What are the other big Judy Davis movies? Yeah, I just... Oh, my God. There's a... I don't know. The fact that he is still like... Oh, I'm trying to Excuse like... Excuse me, Barton Fink, Coen Brothers. Okay. Movie. That's the other big one. Yeah, well, like, the fact that he's like upset but like he's still the diamond thing it's kind of like are you are you worried about michael kane killing you because like he's dying right he's not gonna be that big of a threat or are you want you wanting this diamond because you're cutting him out and you and jennifer lopez are gonna run off together you're never gonna see him again even though he does have insurance on you that you know he you know cleverly took the photo of you 
with the diamond. Yeah. So, you know, and yeah, you have the whole she's dead, he's still alive. Then you have the back and forth of, you know, um, Stephen Dorth finding the knowing what they're there for. He you know buys the boat. He finds out that it's worth a fuck ton of money. The back and forth, like I don't I already gave it to him. Like blah 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 blah. There's the will they, won't they? Is she gonna sleep with mm-hmm. the stepson as well, mm-hmm. Jeffrey Lopez? And apparently, found this in the trivia. They did shoot a sex scene between the two of them, mm-hmm. but it was cut from the film. I think wisely so because instead, it does keep it ambiguous as to whether like Nicholson is justified in his like paranoia that they're gonna double cross him mm-hmm. or. What you know, whether anything actually happened between them, because we don't see anything, right? And yeah. Anyways, basically, we build to the climax. the The necklace has changed hands several times, but we're out on the boat. It's a face off between Dorf and Nicholson. Things escalate, and somehow <laughs> Nicholson. Oh, Nicholson's trying to get back to the dock, and. An injured dwarf just like throttles the boat. Right. So he slips, he can't make it to the dock, falls in the water. And then he's climbing up the ladder to get out, and dwarf reverses the boat into him twice. And the first time he does it, I'm just like, oh my God. Because I'm picturing like, it. it's basically the moment in Jaws when the rope line gets like caught behind the backs of the knees, mm-hmm. combined with when Quint like gets his legs bitten by the right. shark. Um, but yeah, just the idea of that boat like crushing into him. So, uh, Lopez has run driven off by this point, but she ends up doubling back. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, is she gonna like go off with Stephen Dorff and like they're gonna start a new life together? And no, in true '70s fashion, like she goes her own separate way. They don't leave together, right? He goes off on the boat. Right. He she drives away. He goes off on the boat. Nicholson's left there with the diet or with the necklace. Spoiler alert, Jennifer Lopez took one stone. So there's two stones missing now. Two stones missing Which is probably going to be enough. And anyways, he chucks it uh, into the water off the dock, and that's that's the end of the movie. We just see Dwarf like sailing off into the sunset. So nobody got the necklace, and in true 70s fashion, you know, there was no actual like resolution or like a happy ending for anybody. It was just kind of the downward spiral of, everybody's individual greed and it's kind of a morality play a little bit of noir in there i feel like i kind of want a little more of the dynamic between uh nicholson and dorf established before things kick into gear if you will right i feel like he and judy davis are like such good actors that you get the and the dialogue's pretty solid in like their one interaction where he's just like you know can we skip all of the things you like to argue about or like can we hit all these points later blah blah blah. and you get the feeling that like okay yeah they are they've been married for a while like okay this is not his kid so yeah who knows when they got together exactly like has he been raising or been an absentee father for like most of this kid's life or just recently, like, I I want a little bit more color there because I think it would deepen the, like, kind of midsection of the movie, which is more centered around the family dynamics, and Jennifer Lopez kind of fades to the background. I also want a little more of Jennifer Lopez because they're telling, you know, interesting side pairing here with Scarface, but they're, 
telling like a Cuban immigrant story here as well, um, in a more modern context than Scarface, obviously. And like, there is that thing of you almost like you do want to see her get the stones at the end and like go off and like live a better life, but she kind of just leaves it be other than she has the one stone, which is probably enough to get her at least out of Miami or get more of her family there, which I think is basically her ultimate goal. But yeah, any any thoughts on it? I'm sorry I gave you kind of a just a meh. Yeah. No, I mean, if I'm putting it in 90s true crime, it it deserves an it's honorable It's not true crime. It's just crime. But no, yeah. just, I mean, true crime is like a an overall thing for like, you know, this could have been based on something or any kind of crime thriller, whatever you want to call it. Like, then yeah, yeah. If I'm putting it in that, I definitely don't. I don't. I mean, it's an honorable mention. I'm not going to put it on my top 100 of like crime stuff. And it doesn't really rate that where any anywhere for me for like a, a like a my Miami yeah, a movie or like a experience. Florida. Yeah, no. I, yeah. I I felt we like all, there was more texture to it, it in keeps, my memory of it. It than, does keep in fashion that Florida is a dark place that no one should ever venture into. Yes, you be ready and, and prepared to sacrifice your soul. However, you know, as we're going to see with the next one, it's, it, I don't know, there, for what the next one shows us of, like, Miami, the place they're supposed to be or wherever, I don't get enough of that here for me to even, like I said, even throw it into a, like, oh, this is just like a, you know, a Florida movie or, a you know, a slice of Miami at this point in time. Because I think I've mentioned it on other other podcasts i'm very interested in like what's going on in the 90s in certain places not like filmically but like how we view them you know obviously in the mid 90s we get bad boys and we associate that with miami and i think the next biggest thing before that was scarface so you have that version of miami that is you know hey that's not a bad bad look it's a little bit miami vice it's a lot of like you know Let's I think gloss it if, over. I, if I want to, you know, put on the film geek take hat, whatever. Yeah. I guess we could say that the fact that it is kind of like not this glossed up, right, gorgeous version is kind of reflective of like where all of the characters are. Like, right. Again, they're all kind of like at the end of the ropes, kind of desperate for like something to change in their lives. They're kind of like. They feel like the dead-end lifers in this place. But I would argue that that is like the city and any big mover and shaker in the late 80s, early 90s in Miami is on the same path as these people. I feel like the city as a whole at that point is kind of on that, you know, it doesn't know what it is. It's just gone through this terrible period because that's one of the things I am going to do when we get into Scarface is explain a little context for those who don't understand. But... You know, where this movie is and what it does, I think it lends to that. Like you said, like it's just their end of the rope. You know, they don't know what they're, they're kind of like, they're grasping at straws for certain things. Some of them still do have dreams. Some of them have schemes to get out of where they're at. And it's just, it's all possible in Florida, baby. But it's just about, you know, how, how are you going to do it? What are you going to, what, what's your means to your ends, essentially? Two more things I want to highlight before we move on. Um, I mentioned how much Nicholson gets the shit beaten out of him. I think he is one of the best actors at playing hurt Mm -hmm. or pain. I think of like the the stairs scene in The Shining when he gets hit in the head and just like the kind of like guttural animal wails and stuff that come out of him in that movie. He kind of does like when Judy Davis like 
Is she hit him with a golf club yeah. or like a trophy of some kind? Golf club. Um, he's like he's selling it. The other thing, all of the like scuffles and like action scenes or fight scenes, I I don't know about you, dude. I didn't see a a lick of a stunt man. No, anywhere. I didn't either. And there's stuff like when Michael Caine like throws Harold Perrin out up against a palm tree, where I was like, dude, did you fucking like crack his skull? Like it looks like, dude, you like really manhandled like him like. That's either some great acting or this is one of those like, hey, I've been making movies since the seventies. Just fucking go for it. Like, right. just do whatever. We don't have the we don't have the budget for a stunt man. But I'm like, these are it's fucking Michael Caine and Jack Nicholson. Like, these guys are getting up there. You gotta mm-hmm. take care of. Them. But like when he's fighting with Dorf on the boat, no, I didn't. Yeah, there's no st- like it's a lot of one or takes for the some of the like fight scene, if you will. Where I'm like, no, they're actually doing all those moves. There's no way there's no cut or edit where they're subbing in anybody. No. And I was like, it's not like crazy impressive stunt work, but the simple fact that like they feel like scuffles in like a '70s movie where it feels like you know this is rough and loose, so we didn't choreograph this, and like anything could happen. It doesn't right. feel like you know super precise. Anyways, something I noticed, and yeah, I think Nicholson's really good at playing her. This is. Is this pre-Selena? We didn't really talk about Lopez much at all. I think this um, is after Selena, before Anaconda. This may she may have shot both, and like this maybe debuted after Selena. She has a lot of credits, way more than I thought. Yeah, no, you don't think about it. She's in a ton of stuff. Okay, so let's look at her nineties. Okay, so she's still on In Living Color, like right. in the early nineties. Her first movie like movie movie uh i believe is money train yes with woody harrelson and is that wesley Snipes? yep it is yeah i watched it a couple a couple months ago she's in jack the following year yes the coppola movie with uh, robin williams follows it up with blood and wine so she's kind of she's on the rise i would say she's she's solid in jack i haven't seen money train in forever but definitely where she popped and then she has so or right after this where she like she arguably she holds her own with like you know with Jack Nicholson not like the dynamic is not such that like she's doing this incredible performance and I I've always thought she was a pretty solid actress but I'm saying she doesn't feel out of her element here I think she's solid she's got Selena and Anaconda right around the corner uh you turn with Oliver Stone and then what I still think is the crowning achievement for her uh 1998's out of sight and then if we want to go one further after that i really like the cell i think she's great in it yeah um but yeah so this is this is kind of a stepping stone for her and again i feel like she's about to pop anyways and it's kind of like i said the same thing with dwarf so it's like this is not a misstep in either of their careers and certainly doesn't hurt nicholson because he can pretty much do whatever he wants and he's right around the corner from an oscar nomination uh so yeah, I feel like the only thing it really like dings against is like Rafelson doesn't get a chance to like make as many more movies because Yeah. Hmm. One of those greats who I just wish like had, you know, a little bit better back half. And it's you know, there's the whole burnout or fade away conversation to be had, but I don't think this is like as bad as some other late period uh you know, formerly great directors i think he's still doing a solid job bringing enough of that 70s vibe into a night a very 90s movie at the same time yeah i don't really have anything more to say okay (laughs) 
That was Blood and Wine from 1996. Are you ready? Check it out on HBO Max. Yeah, it's if on you HBO want to. Max for um, who, know, who doesn't know how much longer. Soft, soft recommend. Yeah. It, it's kind of like a a lazy Sunday afternoon sort of movie. Or if you need like a midweek thriller, throw it on on a Wednesday evening mm-hmm. as the sun's going down. Yeah. Try and manufacture some more Florida vibes than the movie actually has. Uh, but yeah, okay. I think we we did enough time on it. Yeah. This I feel like this is my first like dud pick, man. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I okay. I would have to say probably Could so. Always do worse. I I don't think it's a total dud. I just thought you didn't have didn't have much to say. It didn't thrill me. Yeah. But I think it's, it's hard to when you push it to the limit. Like we're about to do. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> so um, by all means, yeah. Let's uh why don't you just play that instead of the trailer? This trailer's pretty great. Alright. It's okay. long though. Um and fuck no, I'm not gonna play that song. Why not? We already have two copyright strikes from the Universal <laughs> Music Group. That's right. Who put this movie out, Gavin? Oh, yeah, no. Fucking Universal. No, I'm not playing any, not even any of the lovely Giorgio Moroder score, but maybe you'll hear some of it in this trailer. I don't even know Wait, what Wait, can music we even play the trailer then? You think they're going to kick it for that? Dude, I'm playing the trailer. They can, the trailer is in and of itself an advertisement for the film. If they got a problem with the trailer, if we get a copyright check because of this trailer, we'll lose it. Have we done any other Universal movies, though? I don't know. I don't think so. We talk about Universal But it's the stuff. music group who will own the soundtrack, and I don't think they're going to hit it if it's like in a trailer with other stuff layered on top of it. Okay. I don't know how it works. I'm just I don't even know if that's on the soundtrack, on. though. I think it's not. I think it's somebody else performing it on the soundtrack. I don't know. Fuck it. Hit me. All right. Let's push the limit. Here's the fucking trailer. Okay, so what do you call yourself? Eh? Como se llama? Antonio Montana. And you? What you call yourself? Where'd you learn to speak the English, Tony? Uh, in a school. And my father, he was uh, from the United States. Yeah, just like you, you know. He was a Yankee. Uh, he used to take me a lot to the movies, you know. I learned. I watched the guys like uh, Humphrey Bogart, James Cagney. They, they teach me to talk. I like those guys. I always know one day I'm coming here, United States. 
business together a long time. I know the street, and I'm making all the right connections. Remember I told you when you started, the guys who last in this business are the guys who fly straight. With the right woman, there's no stopping me. I could go right to the top. The word on the street, Tony, is you're not a small-time punk anymore. Supreme Court says that your privacy can be invaded. You sold the house this month? You're spending a lot of money on this counter-surveillance. We're doing 10 million, 15 million a month. Come on. Now that's serious money, you know? Your bank boys gotta come down a bit. Who else can you trust? That's why you pay us when you do. You trust us. You're in good hands with us. Pacino is Scarface. He loved the American dream with a vengeance. Al Pacino, Scarface. Oh wow! I I don't think I've ever watched or listened to that trailer. It kind of... It does not... It makes it almost... It's that last little bit with the way that it's the Marauder score and it's Scarface. It makes it sound like it's like trying to be a almost like an 80s slasher, like an 80s like horror film. Feels like Al Pacino is Scarface. Like, come <laughs> on. And, you know, if you're he not... He loved the American dream with a vengeance. Right. <laughs> exactly. Tell me that's not... I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's just... I feel like it's maybe just because you're hearing the audio. That could be it. It definitely does not have... I feel like the trailers you see now are more of the, like, rise and fall power. Like, way more, like, dreamy feeling editing to the trailers and stuff. I've seen some, like, modern recuts, but I wanted to go with the the old school one. Uh, Scarface, 1983. Is this the first remake we've ever done? Um... Yeah. Maybe. I think so. On a two by two. Yes. I mean, we've talked remakes. When it Plenty comes of to horror. But, uh. Yeah, this yeah, is the first like remake. This might be the first remake in a two by two. Do we want to call it a remake or do we want to just call it an homage, a loose affiliation with? I, mean, I do want to call it a remake. Okay. Because. Or do you want this to call is it a the candidate version? For, what's that? Do you want to call it the 80s version? I mean... No, I mean, this is Scarface. For all intents and purposes, this is what everybody knows as Scarface, of course. Right. But I just want to highlight the fact because this is what I want remakes to be. Right. (laughs) When they do them, which is take, like, something that worked in the original, like a a nugget, a kernel. Right. And then do your own fucking movie with it. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. By all means. So, yeah, that's why I wanted to highlight, yeah, it is a remake. And by that standard, I would say one of, like, the five best remakes ever, ever in the yeah. history of cinema. Yeah. Uh, I th- I was so glad when you picked it, slash I picked it, whatever. I have been itching to revisit it. It's been about, it's been about two and a half years yeah. since I've seen it the last time. And as soon as I watched it, it was one of those where I was like, why don't you do this like once every six months? Why don't yeah. you treat this like heat or exactly you know, anything else you love that is a two hour and 50 minute movie that feel you said you wanted to talk about the length. I felt like this went by in a shot. Dude. Of course. It's so, 
There's not a single scene I was like, oh, I could have trimmed that. No. Yeah, that should have been edited differently. And it's like... I give you one. Ne- I give you one. I have... I was going to say, this, to, to me, this movie, it's a masterpiece. Say that from the top. I do have one issue with it, which is all, also like so charming at the same time that I kind of love it, even though I think it's a terrible choice. Go ahead. I'm just going to tell you one scene I would trim. What's that? The hit scene. Which one? On him. The first one. The first time. Casper Gomez and the fucking Diaz brothers. No, I'm just kidding. When fuck, when Belzer comes out, he introduces the clown thing the or whatever. The Babylon Club scene. The Babylon Club. That just... We don't, so you're going off the assumption. We got to get into this already. If I had to trim anything, I would. No, it's just no, too no. much. No, 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 no. You're saying you do think that was Casper Gomez and or the Diaz brothers? I don't know who they were. You don't think it was Frank? No. Oh, the two, I'm just, I to me, the, the Diaz brothers were the two there that were going to gun him down. He just didn't know who they were. No, I don't, I, yeah, no, I'm of the belief that, like, it wasn't Frank. I don't think it was Frank at all. I think it was just an opportunist moment that, you know, because you got to okay. think. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll we can get, get into this. And we definitely, we do not need to go chronologically no. or however you want to approach this. However, I do, again, this, a, there's, I want to approach just one. three specific things that I want to focus on that happened in this movie that, I go back to, I went back to with a different lens this time. Number one thing I want to talk about, I will talk about how they interpreted, to me, interpreted the zeitgeist of what is happening in that town at this time and got it on screen in what I consider to be a flawless interpretation. Again, I know that nothing, this doesn't look like, you know, not all of Miami and what you see was probably like note perfect at the time. This is just a little bit removed from when all this happened, but we're definitely in the height of the cocaine wars when this is made. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think it brilliantly does is it, it, it incorporates a true event, which was a catalyst for all of this, but something that had been going on for a while, you know, it's noted that very you know, 78, 79 is the rumblings of everybody in Colombia and the the shifting of power. Seventy nine, you have Dadeland. Are you familiar with Dadeland, Noah? No. Seventy nine is is the Dadeland mall shooting. It's essentially these two guys were in a party supply truck. They roll up on this liquor store. They hop out. They're armed to the teeth. They blow away these two Colombian guys. They injure two of the store clerks. They bail. They find the truck couple couple yards, you know, a couple miles away. Truck's got body armor. It's got reinforced bulletproof tons of weapons and this is when one of the police officers said all these cocaine cowboys and that's when it became it's what took off when the sun herald reports all this so you have that happen in 79 and the trailer mentioned this and it makes a big deal in the opening before you get any other thing the 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 setup of like castro's like okay you can fine you want to go go I don't care. I'm getting rid of, hey, these people want to come to America. I'm sending them to America. And it's estimated, like they say, you know, about of the, you know, thousands, hundred thousands who showed up, about 25,000 of them were like criminals. They had some kind of a record for whatever reason. Um, But by making it a story about a Cuban immigrant, you subvert any kind of potential backlash, I feel like, from anybody at the time who is still operating to want to give you any shit about it because Pablo Escobar is still but, king at the time 
and and Griselda Blanco is still making moves as well, and they're Colombians, okay? By not making this character Colombian, even though he does kill Colombians, it it allows you to function and show you, again, that immigrant story, Rise to Fall, same as the original Scarface from 32, but just in a brand new light in a completely updated, modern setting. Well, okay, it spares them from any ramifications from the drug community you're saying but also by making him cuban it does create a ton of protest oh yeah in miami so much so that they don't shoot hardly any of this movie right in miami because there was a backlash to the this was in the era of like i feel like i guess nowadays all this shit just gets hashed out on the internet and gets litigated like yeah when certain movies get announced and stuff or like certain casting decisions but this is still of the era, I feel like, where it was like, oh, this movie's dangerous. This could cause, like, riots in the streets or something. Yeah. Like, but most of the backlash was Cubans, Cuban immigrants upset about, like, you're just depicting us as, you know, drug dealers and thieves and criminals, etc. And Which I'm is like, why I think that line when he gets busted is like, you, you call yourself well, a Cuban. Well, I was going to say, that's one of those cases where you're like, well... I wish I could show you, like, some scenes of this before we actually shoot them or show you some of the screenplay because, like, Tony's... The scene with Tony's mom, when, first of all, they reveal that, like, oh, yeah, he was... Like, everything he said in that interrogation... Bullshit. 100% bullshit. Yeah. His parents are I told you to tell him you were in a sanitarium. He's also got a sister. Yeah, yeah. Told him I was in sanitation. (laughs) I told you to tell him you was in a sanitarium. Um, We we also got to talk. Stephen Bauer, right? Oh, dude. Um, where he ranks on the all-time list of best friends. Um, Tony, not a good friend to not Manny, but Manny. the other way around. Manny, shoot this piece of shit, <laughs> dude. I, no, without hesitation, Manolo, just, shoot this piece excuse of me, shit. Yes, Manolo. I love that he, shoot yeah. this piece of shit. Um, yeah, you definitely always need a guy in your back pocket who's like so loyal to you that you can, at the drop of a hat, be like, hey, this guy. And then there's no hesitation my, whatsoever. But, okay, real quick though. My favorite is, hey, what about Ernie? Ernie, you want a job? Oh, dude. That yeah. we, we'll hey, get, man, you got a job. Like, we'll okay, get, yeah. We'll the bits, dude. Okay. So good. Yeah, so okay. again, you have that going on. We can kind of go set piece by set piece yeah. if you want to. It just kind of geek yeah. out over them. Well, I if mean. If you want to. But, um, we, yeah, sorry. We got. Lost in the changing it to the Cuban immigrant, but right? Yes, it did create a backlash at the time. It created backlash, but with I that, feel but like, like when I you would get be... to the scene with the mom. It's that counter narrative of like, "Hey, let's be real here." Like she, she knows who he is, and it's and the movie is aware that like this is not a good guy, right? Like you're, and I, I feel like people still had such an issue even after. I mean, even after coming through an entire decade of anti heroes and like. Some of them played by Al Pacino in right. movies like The Godfather. But I feel like Godfather had such a like air of class and prestige around it where it was like... And people have talked about this tons. It's like it was still so romanticized right. at the time that it's like it's not really until you get to Goodfellas in the 90s when it's like, oh, this is a realistic depiction of like who these guys actually are, right. which are all pretty terrible, like dark human beings. 
So, but that just lends itself to like, when are the, you know, when are we, you're talking about something in Goodfellas, you're talking about something that happened in the time of the Godfather romanticizing it. Exactly. So I feel like that lends itself to it. If you, you don't have anything counter to it, you can't really say like how good or bad yeah. and the romanticism is. But this movie. come in on the tail end right. and completely deconstruct but this, everything. If anybody wants to argue it, that yeah. this movie romanticizes anything about the Cuban experience or like the rise and fall of an immigrant. Or, I don't think this is any, I don't think you can argue that this tries to romanticize any of it. If, unless you're just, I was going to be say, that guy. So much so to the point that like the rise to power is done in a montage. Yes. Arguably the greatest montage in film history outside of a Rocky training montage. Right. Cause those are in a class of their own, but the push it to the limit montage is incredible and it communicates a lot very quickly. Mm hmm. But then what I love is we come out on the other side of it and presumably like the world is his at this point. Right. And it's just all shit for the rest of the movie. Right. Like it's all the realities of like, okay, yeah, but now like because you're making this much money, like you got to be paying this guy and this guy for protection and like all of that shit. And you never, there's never a scene. There is truly not a single scene in this entire movie where you ever see him enjoying any of the fruits of his labors. Even in the scene where he is chilling in his giant fucking jacuzzi in in this vast carpeted bathroom watching TV, he is alone and talking to himself because the two people in his life closest to him, he's completely alienated at this point so much that they're just both like, fuck this guy and bail out of the house. And it's like, there is never a, I, I don't know, a movie I thought about a lot when I'm watching this. Oddly, not oddly, I feel like they're twins in some ways. It's fucking Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Which, at the time, people said, like, oh, it revels so much in this behavior. It, like, makes it look sexy and, like, fun. And I'm like, for some people, I'm sure, yeah, okay. But those are the people, I feel like, who are, like, completely misinterpreting, like, what the point of showing all of this excess is. Right. But, like, that movie still objectively has, like, fun scenes in it comedic scenes centered around like crazy drug abuse etc that seem entertaining or fun in the moment but then they're contextualized as being like pretty fucked up and dark Scarface doesn't even have that it doesn't even have like this moment of like exultation or like he's just you know he's really living it up right now even in that montage it's like well, there's money rolling in and like getting married but like they don't even fucking kiss the whole movie is like main object of affection Probably because he'd rather be. They only kiss in the. They only only kiss when they get married. That's it. They don't. You don't see it on screen. You do. Their faces touch. You don't. Yeah. You don't see their veil is blocking it. Yeah. You can't. You you can argue. Right. You never see like a true moment of intimacy between the two of them. Their entire relationship. It's all like circumstantial. Essentially. I would love a prequel for how the hell Elvira ended up with Frank, though. I would love to know a little more about that, even in this two-hour and fifty-minute movie. Yeah, still, still wanted some more details. See, anyways, I, but yeah, I maybe it's I feel like, like a, there's never. I feel like at the same time though, yes, yeah, some people still watch this and like think it's like, oh, dude. Some people know there's could, an entire subculture oh, of 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 people who watch this and, and they're I, like, it's a blueprint I, to success. Absolutely. The one thing I I think has been a takeaway, a huge takeaway is the approach to life of the character. Sometimes that's the vibe that people take from it, like the dude in Big Lebowski, for right. instance, or something. There's some people who are just like, I want to model that. Their 
there's a moment early on in the interrogation, right when things kind of escalate, first big scene of the movie, uh, where he just flat out says, he's like, there's nothing you guys can do to me. You throw me in a detention center for like however many months, whatever. There's nothing you guys can do to me that Castro hasn't already done to me. Mm. And he's like flipping out and screaming and everything. And you get very early on that like, this guy has like a pure and simple determination to reach his fucking goal, which is just power. Right. Period. Like, that's it. And, and honestly, the like the romance angle to it, the having a wife or possibly the the possibility of a family, it just seems like an arbitrary afterthought of like, okay, well, this is just something I need to have in the equation. But like, it doesn't seem like there is a true like motivating factor beyond just the power. Right. But the way he approaches everything with this like true devil may care energy mm-hmm. where he can be in that standoff in that shower with that chainsaw and still, or excuse me, before he gets put into that scenario, but he knows he's completely fucked to still be able to say to the guy in the moment, why don't you try and put your head up your ass? Like, see if it fits. See if it fits. Yeah. The balls to just be, and to do that and feel it convincingly where he's literally like, he does not, like, if he dies in this moment, he's good. You know what I'm saying? Like, he truly does not give a fuck. And that is what, A, allows him to ascend to the level he does, but the complete abandonment of any kind of, like, soul, soul leads to the ultimate downfall. Even though the thing that really brings down the house of cards is, is the him one, having a soul. One redeeming, yeah. It's, it's a great screenplay. It's great writing. It's, it's a great character study done on a massive, splashy scale. And... One of the weirdest things to me at the end of that trailer, it doesn't, like, the fact that it's a Brian De Palma film is not a thing at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, that would be, I get, I mean, Pacino, one of the biggest movie stars in the world at that point. And I want to talk to you about this. Do you remember, I feel like before I ever saw this, before I even probably had the, you know, say hello to my little friend, the, the memeable moments, if you will, that you pick up pop culturally through references or whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like the first time I ever heard about Scarface was from mom. Yes. And it was in relation to the Pacino performance. Yes. And how she had never seen and like, yeah, never no. seen somebody commit that fully to, to the character, to the character and, yeah. and all of that. And so it had this reputation before I ever even actually laid eyes on it, which is probably years later of just like, Oh, this is like a, you know, a crowning achievement, a great performance, etc. Like huge hit, and I guess I didn't realize that like it what you know it was a little controversial at the time. It did have some of its detractors, and it's like it was a huge hit that still feels like it formed this own like you said subculture and like separate cult movie status mm-hmm. around it, um, even years and years on. But I feel like it's reputation has kind of faded from memory do you feel that way i don't know how much you follow like modern i don't know online film discourse or like different movie websites or what they're focusing Mm -hmm. on or like choosing to shout out but i'm like i don't know if it's the we burned through the 80s nostalgia wave a lot of people seem to have felt that way 
yeah um that we're kind of cresting over and we're like we're in we're firmly into the 90s nostalgia era now yeah um i don't know if it's partially that but i don't i don't feel like i hear it talked about that much these days or like really highlighted I will, in the same way that i also feel like De Palma, even though he had a great doc about him like a couple years ago yeah is one of those guys in our eyes kind of like a friedkin who because maybe the filmography has more peaks and valleys right does not get the same kind of love as some of their contemporaries i feel like the reason why it tapered off is directly tied into the the trend in movies to get quicker with everything Mm -hmm. and therefore run times are shorter and i would even argue that shot times are significantly lower nowadays than they are when we did the few things with michael bay i did note because of imdb trivia average shot length and average Mm -hmm. you know whatever I feel like that may lend itself as to why people don't talk about it because it's not That's what, it's not an instant gratification. We don't meet the character on top of the world. If you did this today and you showed him on top of the world, like we don't know that what happens to any other character, but we see him, he's face down in a thing of coke and we see a bunch of people coming in to run like to rush his place and we stop. That's a hundred percent how they would do and it, and we how, cut back and to. I personally, think that would be a terrible. Decision. It would be. It would be. We and you and I know this because we're from a different time that, period, that and we would, grew up on this how it is. But that's what you're going to have to do to pull people in. I don't think people have the time to sit with it because I you, did say earlier, you just nailed it though. I'm like that is literally how if they ever remade Scarface, the Pacino version, that is a hundred percent how it would start. Yeah, with just a mountain of cocaine and like the dude snorting, and it's like. The reason that moment is so wild and like iconic is the whole movie has built to this level of excess. And right. it's like he's been gone for a while now. Right. <laughs> like at the at the point when he does that contextually, he's murdered his best friend. Yes. Um Widowed his sister. Widowed his sister. His wife has left him. He Yes. He has fucked over the one person who told him, don't you ever fuck <laughs> don't me, Tony. Don't you ever try to fuck me. Yeah. Dude. And again, it's all because of the one act of him having some, still some redeeming quality in there that makes him like, make a choice. And. Which, again, we can, we can totally jump to that scene. He is tasked with Sosa, the Bolivian the guy who's making it all happen on the drug side right. of things. Um, the connect. The guy who told him don't you ever try to fuck me. Yeah. His henchman is his name Shadow in the movie? What is his name? I don't know what his name is. The guy that murders him is the skull. You know who oh, he is? Yeah, I'm not talking about the skull yet. Do you know who the skull is though? Who is the skull? A man apart. The big bag Mexican and a man apart. Same guy. The, the one, bad guy in yeah the main bad the one guy that's in Man prison in Man Apart yeah same actor wild right never had it because that I when we do we we're watching it and I the thing I noticed this time is when they're in Bolivia I'm looking at the skull the entire time like what's he doing he's just standing back there with shades on just like could he's like he controls everything 
And I looked at Beck and I was like, I'm not going to spoil anything if I tell you this, but that guy back there with the sunglasses on, that's the baddest motherfucker in this entire See, movie. I don't even know if I... I now I want to rewatch it again just because she said that. Yeah. Yes, excuse me. Mark Margolis is Shadow, the one who's dressed in kind of like a white, almost like Oriental garb. He looks like a James um, Bond villain. He looks yes. like Doctor No. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. That's Mark Margolis. Did you watch Breaking Bad? Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. Yeah. The chair. Yeah. yeah. He, he, boom. Yeah. Face off. I know. Vent- I knew him, and he's been in other things too. Isn't he Ventura? Yes, Satan. <laughs> Isn't he? Yeah, that's him. Yeah, Mark Margolis, great classic. And everything, uh, Mr. She can dance. I told you once <laughs> I find this dance. white albino pigeon, yes. you're paid. Ace Ventura was going to be the other Miami movie that I was going to oh, do, <laughs> but I, I, I held off. We should have done Ace Ventura and Scarface, mm. two iconic Miami gentlemen, yes. uh, two Florida men, yeah, two Florida men if there ever were ones, yeah, okay. But, anyways, the scene with. Mark Margola, Shadow, they're yeah. in New York. They're supposed to assassinate because Sosa's getting pressured from this guy who's been talking. He's a rat, and he's public, and he's highlighting everything that's going on in the, right. the drug trade, etc. So they're going to car bomb him. His kid's in the car. And Tony's not having it, dude. He's super upset. I don't need that and, shit in my life. And I'm just <laughs> like, but never mind. <laughs> the, like, countless lives. Just because you can't see them and they're not in front of you. Never mind the countless lives that have been lost or ruined forever because of all of your drug trade and the excessive violence associated with it. All the, like, shit you're pumping into Miami. Never mind any of that. Well, you know what's but wild? These two, <laughs> these two. But what's people, wild is before this, before this scene, he has literally only killed like five people. That's it. He kills Rabanga. He kills the two guys that come after him in the club. He kills. Well, there's Mel, the whole chainsaw situation. Mel, and then the guy that he guns down the street. He's only killed five people in person on, up until this point. On camera. Right. Yeah. I mean, residual fallout from his drug trade, yes, I obviously. was going to say, but we assume he's probably killed a lot of people down in Cuba. I would imagine. Yeah, in the army, maybe. Yeah, I could see that. He definitely knows how to handle his what. Yes, I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just, I know we want to like somehow find like the no, heart there of gold is, no, there is inside no, this cocaine demon. No, there is nothing. That no, there is yeah. no redemption. But that the I again the irony that like, but he does it throughout the movie where it's just like you tell him not to do something, or you tell him you have to do something this way. He's just you, no, no. He makes his own rules. He mm-hmm. makes his own way. You're not gonna fuck with him. And it's like. It's nice that in this scenario, yes, it's a principled thing, and like, presumably you saved this wife and daughter, but mm-hmm. uh, you did like, you fucked up a good thing. You and Sosa were all right. Yeah. You're doing okay. Yeah, because. But also, why did you have to go and personally clean up the mess? Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, why's he got to be there? The trade off is he has to do that to show them that they're, he is worth them putting up getting involved with our government to not prosecute him for tax that's stuff. That's right, because he needs the help. Right. The, again, because all the hammers start coming down. Again, he has like... Again, has, you think about it. I didn't realize this this time watching it. But yeah. Not, not, I did not realize this till this time. Question. This is pure conjecture. Manny is the one 
who was going to set that deal up with Bernstein, whatever the guy's name is. So did was Manny going to get popped, or did Manny set Tony up? Big conjecture. That was that was his deal. That was Manny's deal that he brought to him to use this new Jewish guy. And Tony went in person to do the money. He said, you don't worry about this shit. I'll take care of it. I'll handle it. Went to the new guy. He'd been popped. That's when the, the money problem starts. So, it again, question. Just like, was it Frank that tried to have him killed? Or was it Casper Gomez and the fucking Diaz brothers? I just love the way, fuck Casper Gomez and fuck the fucking Diaz brothers. I'm probably those cockroaches. Like, I just, I love the intensity there. Yeah. Um, also, I do want to point out, I love the fact that Michelle Pfeiffer's like, can you just stop saying fuck all the time? <laughs> because up until, I believe, maybe... I don't know, mid-90s, this had the most F-bombs in a movie ever. Yeah, I think Goodfellas takes it up a notch. Pulp Fiction takes it up a notch. And then, I want to say Casino. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so, where the hell was I going with this? What was I talking about before I stopped to talk about the F-bombs? I don't know. Right, no, it's, did Manny have him set up? Or was Manny going to get, you know caught up in everything mm-hmm. you know because it's just a it's him having to have that control and handle everything because the scene the scene when he tells him don't bother is the ending line is who did this shit who put this shit together me i he has to control that mm-hmm. and so that's why he decides to go firsthand and gets caught on tape with all that illegal cash you know so it's another one again we can we can get if you want to get back to any kind of semblance. Essentially, he comes from Cuba. <laughs> he gets. He comes from Cuba. He gets in with a, uh, you know, he does a hit for somebody. They put him in Freedom Town initially to get out of there. He does a hit. Manolo arranges. Hey, we take this guy out. Guy's got a grudge from the old country. Essentially, take him out. Boom, we're out of here. Um, they arrange the hit. This is kind of the first big set piece, like you right. said, in the midst of a pretty convincingly staged riot, which actually happened. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty decent recreation. We talk. Nothing feels as raw as Sorcerer, dude. I just feel like that shit's just like yeah, a documentary. It's just happening. But mm-hmm. um, but as a grand, like I just love the fucking way De Palma just does like oh yeah, the crane work in this dude. I, it's, it's just so good. Yeah, just impeccable shit. But this, essentially, he gets out of Freedom Town. He's then he's stuck being a basic dishwasher, which literally any other Cuban on the planet would be happy to be washing dishes right. in Little Havana, away from Castro. But Tony Montana is not satisfied whatsoever. Okay? So they get him a job. He can go unload a marijuana boat. He don't want to take 500 bucks because the going rate's 1000 So what do they say? Which everybody should know it if you've watched it. They say, give him to the Colombians. Give him to them. Not send him in to do this. <laughs> give him to the Colombians. Okay. Hot shot. Here you go. You know? <laughs> just always like, you know anything about cocaine? You fucking kidding me? Like, I just think, <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know, but um, yes, this is our introduction to yeah, Omar, the yeah, great Omar, F. Marie Abraham. Who, if you read your trivia, I think you probably have like got the part of Salieri, Salieri on, while he was on, on set, set, and, and everybody, set everybody started treating, started treating him yeah, better. Yeah. Yes. but so and from there, he's tasked to go. Hey, go check out these Colombians. If they got stuff, if the stuff's good, buy it, bring it back to us. And that one of the most, most intense, intense set pieces in any movie ever. It sets the tone. And I, you know, I'm checking. I, 
in my head, I'm just like kind of checking the runtime every little bit because I watched it on Netflix as well. And I was just, I was amazed. I was like, I think we're less than, I was like, that scene is like 20 minutes in. Like a lot happens or whatever to get you to that first, like, and again, the initial murder is a bit of a set piece, the build up to it and everything. But then you're almost immediately right back into another set piece. Mm Mm-hmm. And the back and forth between, like, what's going on in the actual hotel room, them waiting outside in the car where it's like, hey, 15 minutes, you know, yep. come up. Did you read about the, the, the woman? Yes. We don't have to go into all of wow, that. Wow, shit, dude. Check out the IMDb yeah, trivia. seriously. For, but yes, the woman who appears in that scene briefly uh, went missing. Uh, still unsolved, if I'm not mistaken. They think the va- the vampire rapist guy got her. I think he may have even admitted that he did, but they think the best they can that he was one of her victims. He, she was one of his victims. Um, okay. But anyway, um, yeah. And the idea, and see, I think, and this is another thing that, because this scene I want to talk about, I think that the thing I like about the screenplay, and maybe it's just object permanence and I'm able to attach it to something that I know happened, but to me... This scene, while it sets the tone and shows you just the kind of guy Tony Montana is, it to me, it closely mirrors like what I just talked about with Dadeland is like they knew that people were getting hit, people were getting murdered. But Dadeland Mall in 1979 is the first time anybody realized if they got to go get somebody, they're going to hit somebody, they're going to they're going to kill them. They're not stopping. They don't care about the fact that it's broad daylight and there's people and children you know, 10 feet on each side. It's a miracle only two people died and that the store clerks were not hurt, which would lead you to believe that maybe those guys were like Tony Montana. They may, they were only gunning for people. They didn't want anybody else to get hit, but that also tells you they're coked out maniacs and they had to go hit somebody. They, they punched their ticket. They're gone. And I feel like his deliberate, like I'm so badass, I don't give a fuck. If I die here, I die here, but Oh, my boys got my back. And I get to come out and murder you in the fucking street where everyone can see you. That to me is like a, I mean, it's a Dayland type incident. Even, even after the like brutality of that scene and how it's escalated and like there's shots going off everywhere. People are dying left and right. People are flopping out of what dude, when he, (laughs) the dude takes the chainsaw to chainsaw through the glass Mm -hmm. and then tumbles out and you're like, this dude's still moving. Like, all yeah. of that. How did he not land on his own Su- chainsaw? Exactly. Su- super well edited. But still, when they get out on that street and he has him dead to rights right there, you're still not expecting for him to shoot him point blank right. in the head in front of all of those people. So much so that like when it goes double close in to like mm-hmm. show that to you, you're like, oh shit. Like this just escalated even further. Right, um, and that to me mirrors like the subject that, matter perfectly. Yes. Okay, and I will say though, when you asked me if I was still good to go, I did tell you one of my favorite lines from the movie that apparently was ad lib, Chichi Gideyeo. That's that I feel like has had so much of an impact on its own with people because there's like the the song Rush Rush to the Yayo. There's been uh, all these different hip hop artists who've incorporated the word Yayo cocaine into like their lexicon and like built their image around it, which is amazing. 
but it's just apparently just like a quick ad lib line that he learned because he, he learned like that was a slang term for cocaine. Yeah. And, you know, we we did talk about earlier about, you know, the money laundering. That's what they got. He got caught for. They don't really miss. Oh, no. Actually, I think this would kind of blend into, you know, after this, he kind of does have a little rise to power. He starts dealing with Sosa. And obviously his guy, Frank, isn't necessarily happy about that. Yeah. We, but this is this is another one of the. We talk about Robert Lozier for we just can talk a about, minute. We can like, talk about Lozier, but I just want to make this other <laughs> point because it's the one of my two two of the three I wanted to make. When he asks, when he basically puts Bernstein on him, puts Mel on him, and he's like, "You remember Emilio Rabanga? I'm here to shake you down." That, Harris Eulin? Can we talk about Harris Eulin? Yes, we can. Let's go, Larry Brothers. Friend of a murder. <laughs> Gave them a chair. Yeah. <laughs> But when they do that... And wasn't he fucking Gene Hackman's wife in Night Moves? That, that Harris it. Eulin? I think so. Was it him? Is that Harris Eulin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. that's what you go. Yeah. But yeah. Because I'm thinking most people are like, is that Rip Torn? Like they might be... <laughs> Probably. Your average viewer is like, is that the guy from Men in Black? Rip Torn? <laughs> It works with great with the single syllable Dean Kane. <laughs> but anyway, putting the detective on him, and obviously he's yes. on the take. That is another true to life thing because on top at this time when this movie comes out, the massive police corruption starts to come up in Miami. That there were a lot of cops who were on the take from multiple narcos. I just love that scene, dude. He's like, so how do I know? <laughs> You're the last cop I'm gonna have to bribe. Like, you know, I have this department and blah blah blah. And he's like, I can't tell you all that, no, but you this don't. Is what, this is what I cost. This, this is what I cost. Yeah. And you're just like, dude. Yeah, this is just one dude. Like, yeah. How many individuals do right. you have to pay off to keep them off your back? Like every yeah. cop that shows up, you you gotta pay them out. Like, right. Um. But yeah, let's talk about. Robert Loja. Dude, okay, yes, Frank. Never underestimate the other guy's greed. <laughs> Incredible deliveries yes. throughout the movie. Again, I need the prequel short film of how the hell. Well, I think it, I guess it's. Evira. I guess it's very simple. She likes cocaine. I think yes. that's about as far as it now, goes. Now, hang on. Like, is Robert, is, is Frank Jewish? Is that the whole bit? Frank Lopez? Because he talks about the old country. I just, whenever I hear old country, I think of like Jewish. And they were tracking the guy down in Cuba. Old country, because, I think of Italy. Maybe. But I didn't take him at. Didn't take, I don't know what to take him as. Italian, Cuban, well, what, what is They're it? all Italians for the most part, except for Stephen Bauer, the only uh, Cuban in the entire cast. Right, yeah. So, yeah. Ethnicity is malleable in this, right. in this movie, I guess. For Lopez, though, I don't know. I assumed he was like, Loja's playing like Colombian, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But anyways, he's with Elvira. Um, and Tony just kind of immediately latches onto her. Because, I mean, A, it's Michelle Pfeiffer. Like, you get it instantly. You don't, Yeah. And I... One of the meaner things in the trivia I discovered, but Al Pacino, actor's actor, was like, "I want Glenn Close. She's incredible. She's like one of the best actresses on the planet right now." And they're like, "She's not sexy enough." And I'm like, 
Dude, she's about to make Fatal Attraction in like, what, four years? Yeah. Four or five years? Like, yeah. Are you, are you sure? Imagine how much you sure you don't want to cash was, that yeah. check? You sure you don't want to cash that check right now? Yeah. Like, anyways, um, but I think Michelle Pfeiffer's pretty perfect casting, and obviously this is where she pops early on. And yeah. She's got Married to the Mob later in the 80s, yeah. right? And then she's full-on movie star at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, I mean, her attitude, I feel like there, yes, there are probably women that have based their entire like personality on this character of just like, I will put up with some shit, but I, I will, I, expect- I guarantee you, I will complain about it the entire right. time. I will let you know exactly how I'm feeling. I am not scared of any of your macho bullshit. I will tell you, fuck you to your face. But yeah, dude. And the final, the last scene we get with her is the dinner scene, right? Yeah, she's gone. The say goodnight to the bad guy scene. Yeah. So mean, dude. When he, and it's the one time where you like genuinely feel for her. Cause up until that point, I'm like, yeah, she just kind of seems like she's going with the flow. She's a little bit of an opportunist. She likes drugs, doesn't really seem to have much more motivation in life, whatever. Yeah. Um, this, I feel like she's kind of the, pro, Elvira's kind of the prototype for the Sharon Stone character in Casino. Yeah. That then gets a lot more depth and a little bit more agency to her. But Michelle Pfeiffer's still a total badass in this movie. Oh, yeah. Regardless. Um, and I do love that she, like, she makes her own exit from the movie and it's not some, like, he doesn't murder her or like she's not caught in the crossfire or anything. I kind of like that. She just kind of walks out of, right. of the movie, especially after he like insult, you know, her womb is so bare and like all of that shit. And it's the first time you see her crack where she's genuinely just like, what the fuck, man? Right. Like I have put up with so much shit, right. but like, fuck you. I'm we'll see. Done. We'll I'm see. Totally my whole done. thing is like, you know, again, Thinking in the in the as the modern film goer brain, that is I would you should never do it. Don't ever fucking do it. No one ever do it. Don't make a sequel. Don't make a remake. But if you have to, that exit from that film is the one thing that saves you to be able to tell another story, which is he says, oh yeah, her womb this is barren. But like that night, she could have been like, oh by the way, I'm pregnant. Didn't see that coming, did you, fuckface? But that insult and him reading her like that in front of everybody in that fucking restaurant is enough for her to be like, Oh, now I get it. He is really, don't you see, don't you see what we've become? Like maybe I would totally watch an Elvira becomes the new modern Griselda Blanco. And like her son is essentially dude from uh too old to die young. That is like taking over the yep. entire drug trade in that show. Yeah, man. Yes. I see. Perfect. But you, we can finally get Michelle Pfeiffer another Oscar. Can we get her one? But I'm saying, like in this one, instead of her becoming a thing, the whole the whole crux of it is like she's raising her son, and he is slowly getting like the vibes of realizing like who his dad was to Miami in the day, and her having to be like he was not a good person. You do not need to do this. Does he have a weird edible complex? Because his mom is Michelle Pfeiffer. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Okay. Can we talk about Tony? And Gina? And Gina. Yeah. <laughs> as Super I said, fucking weird. As I said, 
movie's a masterpiece for me. The one choice that every single time I watch it makes me laugh out loud every time they do it. But (laughs) whenever he's just like, I need to let you know that Tony is in love with his sister and cannot stand to see her with any other men. And they do the like straight up horror movie in on Tony's eyes. The Marauder score is just like going off the charts. And I'm like, I love it, but it is so the cheesy. Like, it's so hard not to just be like, really? Like, you didn't trust Al's like to sell it. You really needed a full on. Here's a close up musical music stab. So pronounced. And they do it like three or four times. It's hilarious every time. It's part of again. It's there when I he murders earlier, Manolo. It's the one. It's the one thing that I'm like, this is ridiculous, but it's so like it's charming in an odd way. At the same time, of I'm like, this is like, this is the De Palma touch, dude. You no, don't need is, it. It's a little <laughs> excessive, but like I kind of love it. See, when I first watched it, I took that as like. Oh, that's the cocaine taking over now. Sure. Like that's what it the is. Cocaine a, rage, but yeah, like it's never connected that's to all that. It it's always just around his sister. It's only in things involving Gina. Like he never has, with the exception of the first time where Man- Manolo says something and he flips out. After that, that's the but only that's time related where, to Gina. It is right. That's but that's the only time where he is not coked out of his mind. True. Every that's other time true. afterwards, yes. he's done coke relatively close to whenever this happens. So. Right. Other than that, I could be like, that's the one thing that, like, it, like, doesn't matter. Like, Gina, grounded. Oh, no. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, he goes down to Bolivia, hooks up with Sosa. While they're down there, we got to get rid of old F. Murray Abraham because we find out he's a rat. Supposedly, again, another thing that's ambiguous because Frank even points out to him when he comes back. You taking Sosa's word for it, like, right? Well, how do you know he's not just manipulating you, blah blah blah? And what I mean, what you realize ultimately is like Tony may not be that smart, but he has like again such sheer force of will that it's like, mm-hmm. well, if this guy is fucking me over, I'll just kill him too. So it's no big deal, right. even though he runs the entire Bolivian drug pipeline that like supports me here. Right. But like, you get the feeling that like if it came to it, yeah, he would just he would just ice. But of course, he does. He's not realized when Sosa's like, I will bring a war to your doorstep. He yeah. literally means like, I have an army of essentially. I have a fucking like, hit squad. Yeah. Of yeah. just thugs who will literally die in the dro- in droves just to get to you. Like, it's no big deal. Trust me. I don't know I've the name. More. See, I don't know the name in that culture. I don't know if they call them Sicarios as well, but like, it's essentially what they are. You know, obviously, and, you know, I think like that term is kind of maybe thrown in with like Mexican mafia and like Mexican hitman, that drug lord pipeline thing. But yeah, basically Sosa's got hitters and he'll, he will fucking hit you anytime, anywhere. Cause I, that's another thing when watching this again and watching like, Hey, I'm going to be back in Miami in about five hours. Okay. So it's five hours after they didn't do what they're supposed to do. At that point, he's called and been like, you fucked up. Okay. It's been five hours. I haven't heard anything. And shortly after that is, so we're talking less than 12 hours. This guy's got that many people just right on shore, like yeah. ready to fucking murder. Like, you don't fuck with Sosa, yeah. bro. Like, you Sosa just don't. 
Dude, that's what I want. That. Was it Alejandro Sosa? Is that his name? I think so. Yeah, that's and what I want. He's one of those guys where I'm like, considering some of the other like character actors we have at play here, you almost expect Sosa to be somebody else, like a bigger name. But he's so reserved but until that last like little bit. Fantastic yes. in it, and I'm like, yeah, he's one of the like the fines. But like, it would even if you just like shift it around. I feel like everybody's like perfectly cast, but you could also at the same time like. You could rotate around Harris Eulen, Mark Margolis, and um, Robert Loja. Like, just flip all of those roles if you wanted to. And this is still, like, a masterpiece. Yeah. Like, everybody is doing top-notch work. There's not, like, a weak, a weak performance in the bunch. Of course. Um, okay. One last set piece, I guess, before we get into kind of, like, the final yeah. third or the thrust. But the Babylon Club. Yes. Which... You said you think it should be trimmed a little bit. I think this is the quintessential. This is the... It's dead in the middle of the movie. And I love how long this is. So much so that I forgot this all happened in one sequence. Right. He like, gets Gina he, out of there. He goes He goes in. He's tr- still trying to sweet talk Elvira. Right. He's like openly flirting with her in front of Frank's face. And just being openly disrespectful, basically. And that escalates... Strikes out there essentially. Frank's talking shit to him. He also that's the first time that Harris Ewan comes in. Mm-hmm. He finds out, okay, I'm gonna have to start paying shit, blah blah blah. Sees Gina with some guy who's got his hand on her ass and he like loses his mind. Uh goes and follows her into the bathroom, that whole like fighting scene. And then I'm like, Okay, yeah, I remember all of this stuff, but I was like, but I forgot that it's the same evening and mm-hmm. then we just kinda we cut to him kind of defeated, burnt out, sitting in a booth all by himself. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, this is the scene. Fucking Richard Belzer. Yeah. He's doing some comedy. Uh, and we see the guys in the crowd. And I, I, get, I love a De Palma, like, yeah. Hitchcock adjacent sequence where he's just like, here's these dudes. Here's their Uzis. Here's a slow music sting. And they then we're put them like, up. Cut, and then they put them down. And then they cut, put them up. Yeah, we're cutting back and forth. There's... All of a sudden, we have this clown guy performer come out and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, yeah, all, all of that totally works for me. But again, the fact that it it all descends into like, this is late in the evening when this goes down. And then it's followed by, okay, Frank tried to fuck me over. Or so I'm convinced, so I'm paranoid at this point. And they show up and have the best best wallpaper Oh my god, dude. In the history of movies. Yes. I love I want that backdrop. If we ever like have a full on separate studio space that yeah. we like own. We will all do it in we burnt will, orange, amber, it will be neon, a door like, fucking, like yeah. that that we walk through that is just like built into the wall and it will be the yeah. Scarface background. Candidate for like this might be my favorite scene of the whole movie, dude. When he rolls in to like have it out with Frank, basically to fully ascend to power. Mm-hmm. This is the scene right before the, well, he does go and wake up Elvira and basically mm-hmm. be like, hey, you can come live with me now because I murdered your other boyfriend, keeper, husband, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, dude, this whole sequence of them rolling in there, like you said, he makes... Because it's him and Bernstein. They come back to the, the car dealership by themselves because he tells, the, he goes in and says, hey... You need to call in and say we 
hey, we fucked up. He's still alive. Mm-hmm. Do that then. And he's already in there waiting on them. And they come back in like they're about to celebrate the fact that like, okay, we got rid of that little prick. Like, right. we get back the to business fact as usual. That they're in the same room together is like confirmation of like, okay, he definitely sent him like... Frank was the guy who put this cop on to me. Right. This was orchestrated. But see, that's the thing. Because they're in the same room, I buy that angle, and that is perfectly fine. I don't buy that Frank went so far as to have him killed because he's always said the guys who, like, fly straight and go under the radar, that's what it does. So if he does reach out to have him killed, and it's not by anybody in his own organization— he then owes a favor to someone who's a comp, a competitor in his business. Why would he want to do that and risk them having something over him? Right. So that's what no, I... I agree. I don't think he... Because the thing is, they're all there at that club tonight, that night as well. All of them. Okay? And yeah, okay, they could hit him. Maybe they were there for Frank too, but Frank decided to leave. But Montana's not. Why don't we just... We'll hit him. Because that goes into one of the third things that I wanted to talk about. And the fact that a lot of times that is this level. The There's a famous story about the meeting of one of Griselda's hitmen and her. Is that he heard that somebody was going to spray the table next to him. So he went back to the table and said, hey, we got to get out of here. You know, they're going to spray this table. When doing so, spooked the guy next to him. And she got word and found him and was like, What'd you do? Why'd you do that? He said, I was just trying to get my people out. She said, well, you know what? I was going to spray the table next to it. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Because there was a guy there I didn't like. You can spray the whole table for one guy? Yeah, that's how I do my shit. Okay. Yeah, so I'll give you a choice. You can go find the guy and you can bring him to me or I'll just kill you for fucking me over. Okay. And so that's how pretty much he became her main assassin. But it is a Scarface spray the whole table type style thing again and again right the mil- there in the, the military training kicks in because what does he do he doesn't try and stand up and uh-uh. be a brash asshole nope. and take him out he just let he wings them in the kneecaps and in the shins mm-hmm. he gets low he stays in cover and then he looks for his, his same thing he does point. at the end yeah yeah and all convincingly and again pacino's never like it's like this and heat you never think of him as like an action guy, but when you put him in these situations, he's a fucking lion, bro. He, that's what I'm saying, dude. Even it's though he like, keeps a tiger on the premises, he's got a lion inside of him, like Pacino set up out Montana the, enti- the entire time. Dude, I did. I forgot about the tiger, and I did. I was like, in the final like assault on the house, does the tiger like kill him? I was like, missed opportunity, man. Yeah, of course. They should. They totally should have had a t- now. There's something if you ever do the remake, because you can probably make it look a lot more convincing. But like, he definitely needs to like feed cocaine to his tiger did you, and then set it free. Did you ever to play Sosa's the, army? Did you ever play the game? No, but that I, is a bit I, I in the game. If I'm not mistaken, that the tiger cocaine to a no, tiger. no, the tiger saves you to help you get out of your mansion. I think is a bit. If I'm not mistaken, I I may be wrong. I did know that it re it basically undoes the ending yeah. and then starts you back at square one and I was like much like the it, Godfather does it re like are you playing missions though like the Columbia drug deal and stuff like 
you're redoing like some iconic stuff and the whole deal is like you're gonna go back and fuck over sosa like you're gonna get sosa but the iconic stuff you're doing is technically it's in the same vein moments it's not like flashbacks to the movie i think there might be one or two i can't remember it's been so long since i played it did they ever uh, i guess that's probably not available i missed it because it was like tail end of playstation 2 yeah and i don't know who poured who made it because it very, it felt like it could hold its own with like a GTA or a, a um, what's the other one that came out around the time? Not Saints Row. Saints Row, like a third person up in Godfather. a Godfather type. Yeah, it felt like it could hold its own with that, but I don't remember who the studio that made it was. Um, yeah, so we were were there. But I, I was gonna say if it if they did a remaster of or it, a port, I would yeah, love yeah. to play it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're there. Basically, he's consolidated power, and we get the whole... Yeah, we're right into know. the Push to the Limit montage. Yeah. Well, no, and we get Manolo shoot that piece of shit after oh, he's yeah, made sorry, a we're still in the scene. And then the Harris, you look like, you can't kill a cop, dude. He just shoots him point blank in the gut. Yeah. And then, like you said, the ultimate payoff to take that like super tense, like dramatic scene, very violent, very bloody, and to end it with, like, what do we do about this guy? Yeah. And then offer you want a job? And, and, yeah, Tony. And like, okay, you call me tomorrow, okay? Hey, man, you got a job. Hey, Chi-Chi. Fucking Chi-Chi, man. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then... Yeah. But yeah, I love that they bring him on because it's like, they serve no purpose to like kill him right. off. Mm-hmm. Like Another moment where it's like, okay, so he's not completely, you know... Right. He's not completely heartless. But you also know that, like, if that guy made any move, and of course he knows what the deal is, he's just like, okay, right. um, I'm just so trying not I to, I'm you, just trying right? to get out of here. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to. Sorry, Frank, this ain't happening, bro. <laughs> like, I'm not pulling a gun for you or nothing. Like, yeah. this isn't gonna work. So, yeah. And again, we he gets into some tax trouble with all this money. Sosa says you got to go hit this guy. He has a he has a conscience. Finally, one point in time decides just nah I'm not having that shit and fucking blows what's his face's brains out on the street driving through New York and that sets into look motion. At you now. Yeah. <laughs> look at you now. Yeah. Uh that sets into motion the big final act, which is yeah. probably one of the like most iconic scenes he, from the movie. Uh yeah, but prior to that he does roll over to Manolo's house, realize that he and Gina have just gotten married the previous day, but only after he gets so enraged by the idea of somebody fucking his sister that's not him that he shoots his best friend in the and like most loyal companion ever through the last like couple years of his life. I don't know how many. Well, wait, no, we do a three months later. We get to no, we get to Freedom Town with a one month later, right. Okay. And then don't we do three months later? And then we do three later? months later, but I don't yeah. think we ever get another interstitial. It's either three or four months later at some point. And that's when, that's right before they have the, uh, first you get the money, then you get the power. Yeah. Then you get the money. Yeah. Dude, the t- <laughs> so Veronica t- twice has not finished this with me, mm-hmm. but she does enjoy, as soon as she heard Pacino talking, she was like, oh my God, like what's, what's <laughs> up with this voice and shit? But she was totally into it. But all of the stuff with Manny and Tony, like trying to pick up women's, like all of those conversations, and the whole like 
you got to do your tongue like this. Like, that's what women are into. Hey, look at my friend. Look at my friend. Yeah, he's going to stick his tongue out. Okay, Romeo. All of that stuff, like, she's dying laughing. Yeah. Dude. She thought it was great. Like, you I'm know like, you've got to finish this movie at some you know point and see what happens between these friends who right now are like, you know, bros. they're just two bros in Miami just yeah. looking for tail. You That's know? it. So the one thing it was, I laughed so hard. I wasn't even thinking about it till it dawned on me what she said. Oh, I tell you, I watch it with Bex and about halfway through him before Manny opens the door, Bex just goes, I wish we could go back to no cell phones. And I was like, what, <laughs> what? Because he's been calling and calling and calling. He's already had the landline. He's like, who the fuck you think you fucking with? All that shit. He's already had all that with Sosa. She was just like, I wish we could go back to no cell phones. I'm like, what? And then it dawned. I was like, oh, I get it. Because he's been calling and calling and nobody answers. Yeah, okay. He's been in a pay phone. He's been. He's asking, did somebody call the entire time? Oh, I was I, I was like, that's a good one, Bex. But, um, yeah, murders his best friend. Yep. And drags her out of the house. Yeah. Yeah. And they this get- time watching, it was the first time I actually, like, kind of paid attention to him in terms of, like, where where he's going, mainly where his eyes are going in the scenes immediately following that, like, coming to terms with like oh god i let my coke rage and the fact that i want to fuck my sister like that may be over it was manny though manny 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 what you know like him talking and saying his name multiple times i mean it's just yeah the grand irony of course is like even if they were on good terms like they were all gonna fucking die that night regardless see no i like to think that and that's my thing I like to think that that wouldn't happen if Manolo was still alive. Because I feel like there's several key things that coked out Tony does wrong. One, not letting his friend Chi-Chi back in the room with him. You know, and again, being so coked out and all that kind of stuff. But if you go to your, if you go... Two, maybe like, you know, if your desk is set up in that way, maybe don't have the security cameras like behind your left shoulder. (laughs) Right. Maybe have them visible. Right. If you're going to be, yeah. And because they make, well, yeah, because they spend time and he's like, you're spending all this money on security and all this. And it's like, oh, the irony. You have all these cameras and all this shit. You you cannot see your fucking downfall. Because you're just blinded by the fucking rails, the mountains in front of you. Yes. But again, I've always maintained, and it's just my personal point of view, that if he does not murder his best friend, that somehow the two of them are able to, if not survive and kill everyone, at Dude, least if it, be able to make an escape to regroup. If it turned into John Woo's the killer, or uh, something to that effect, yeah. with them like trading, you know, tossing guns to each other and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, it could rekindle their friendship, but it had to. It had to go down the way it went down. Yeah. But right before... Or more the more cold-blooded thing is they kill everyone, except for the skull. Tony gets the drop on... They, like, Manny saves Tony from that, and it's like, okay, thanks. But Tony still shoots him as like, I couldn't forgive you. You know, I'll tell her that you went out saving my life. Yeah. Puts his eyes out, and he's just that cold-blooded. Because, like, you know... In my opinion, all the dudes, that is literally all of Sosa's dudes. So if he murders all of them, stops that home invasion that way, Sosa's, you know, all I got to do is send a hit squad up there, go get some guys and go up there and take them out. I'm good. Like, that's, you know, 
it back and forth. Again, another thing that's been reinforced, I've said it a couple times, probably from the late 78, 79, up, up through this time, there's plenty of instances where people are just kicking in doors of people's houses and killing people for, one, drug debts, two, consolidation of power between the three different uh, cartels that were running things at that point in time. And, again, it's just another thing that, for it to be something that comes out almost in like the same zeitgeist. Like it's like, it's happening as they're watching it. By the time you get to like a Miami vice, that is kind of tapered off in the eighties because they've been able to get a handle on it so much that like at this point in time, Miami vice comes on, they come in and rebuild some of the infrastructure that cocaine money put together because when the cocaine narcos start to fold, the banks start to fold because they're all narco banks it leaves a lot of buildings like in ruin and Miami vice, the show comes in and says, well, we're going to just, we're going to fix it up. And they left it fixed up and they attribute that being one of the reasons why that Miami kind of came out of that and had all this nice new infrastructure was because, you know, the show came in and did all this and that and kind of gives the, the city a new identity from that. But while this comes out, it's still very much in the heyday. And again, we said, Escobar doesn't get killed until the early 90s, so it's still there through Miami, but it isn't as Wild West as it was in the late 70s, early Mm -hmm. 80s. It becomes a little bit more cat and mouse. We're trying to, there's not so much like killings anywhere. One, you could attribute that to the fact that Griselda Blanco gets locked up for a crime in New York. She goes out to California Mm -hmm. to serve her time. But it's also people started realizing we're not going to make any money. We're going to have too much heat if we are just mowing people down. So why don't we just stick to other tactics to try and bring in this product? Because at the end of the day, you talk about excess and him having all this. He only has all this because fucking Americans love putting shit up their nose, Noah. They've loved it ever (laughs) since then. And they'll love it now. Way to bring it all. Just remember. Just say no. Okay. Just remember. Don't get high on your own supply. Yeah. Rule number two. He really, you know, Frank had a good blueprint. I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah. He had some pretty great rules for success. When in doubt, listen to Robert Lozier. Yeah. Me, Robert Lozier. Um, any any final thoughts? Um, I mean, Gina comes in. You're like, oh, is she going to kill him before all this pops off? She gets shot to shit. We didn't really talk about Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio, but she's great. Everybody's great in this movie. Yeah. Not a bad actor in a bunch. Um, uh, but yeah, she gets taken out and then... All hell breaks loose. You know, all the iconic shit you used to. Yeah. Say hello to my little friend. All that stuff. All great. All electrifying cinema. And I again, did. it's over and I'm sitting there going like, this was two hours and 50 minutes. I could watch this again right now. Yeah. Um, incredibly rewatchable. Yeah. For an, an extremely violent, profanity-laden film with... Very few, if if almost zero, redeemable characters. Yeah, that is just an absolute blast to watch. Mm-hmm. I fucking love this movie so much. Yeah. Uh, so glad we got to revisit it. It was yeah, it was a fun time. I I and I there's still again when you when you're watching the finale and you see that like oh yeah that guy had a grappling hook that's how he got in and killed your sister and you realize oh well there's the skull what's he doing and you realize that like okay they've got him this he, is this is the year before terminator right right he they, the they skull know, yes so much yes like 
no. seems like a prototype. It really no, that does. is I it, I believe wholeheartedly Jim Cameron saw. Sorry, James Cameron. I don't know him like that. I can't call him Jim. James Cameron well, had I can call him Jim. James Cameron had to have seen this and thought, "Holy shit, there's my guy," because he's physically brooding. Doesn't say a fucking word. The sunglasses at the who the fuck wears sunglasses sun- at night, Noah? <laughs> this guy, does. this motherfucker. And he has the nice accent of like, yeah, you've been getting shot up and you're still standing. I'm going to put a, two shotgun shells in your back and yeah. you are, I'm going to fucking put you down. And for him to wind up in the fucking in pool, fountain. his own fountain, bloody red and the world is yours spinning on the globe. I can't think of a better just like, again, like you said, maybe let us shoot some stuff. Maybe look at it before you, you know, you, you vilify it because... We're not necessarily painting like a great picture, like this dude's awesome. Right. Like, look what happens to him. Look where he ends up. This is a cautionary tale. This right. isn't a fairy tale. It's a cautionary one. But, you know, you got to rush, rush to the Yayo. No, what can I yeah, say? I, I would be very interested to get, like, truly get, like, a 15 year old's reaction to this movie. Like, yeah. present day. How. I'm curious what people think of it. Because obviously it's lived in our brains for, like, Two decades at this point. Mm-hmm. Since we each saw it initially, I'm saying right. I probably saw it around like 12, 13 for the first time. Yeah. Maybe somewhere in there. I just remember a lot of people, after I watched <laughs> it, I felt like everybody wanted to talk to me about it because I'd finally seen it. A lot of people at school. Yeah. Well, like, it was, I mean, again, it's one of those that had stayed kind of in the pop culture zeitgeist like a full almost 30 years after it initially came out, which is so rare for like a movie that was never sequelized or, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. And I'll even, I'll even argue this. I think if you tell people Al Pacino, 9.5 out of 10 people say, Oh, Scarface, Tony Montana. They don't say, they don't say Michael Corleone. They don't say whatever his name is in heat. They don't yeah, say. No, I think this is the. This is him. This so is much, the performance. I, mean, I think part of that is the the pure iconography of the poster: Pacino, oh, yeah. Scarface, the black and white. Yeah, like, just classic poster. There's the cliche about it being like you know, you got to have that. Maybe a Pulp Fiction, maybe a Fight Club poster mm-hmm. up in your dorm room. Yeah, you know, get one of those. Exactly. But yeah, it's it's iconic on another level. But it's one of those I feel like. Even knowing, like like we said, some of the famous beats and, and moments from it, it's all about the context to me and the going on the full ride. And while it is one that I feel like has natural breaks where it's like, it's kind of a, it's one of those weird hangout movies where it's like you could, okay, I'm just, well, I'm just going to watch until he gets to like the next tier. Right. Like on his climb to power. Right. Or I'm going to take a break or like, you know. Let, let the push it to the limit scene basically serve as an intermission for the movie, That's exactly which is what exactly what it was. Transitional intermission. Now we return to act. I do we get a closer at the end of that of like so many months later? Because that seems to be like to me like at least a full summer, if not a year of time, like passing. I don't know if they. Uh, I don't know if they give you a time. It's period. a lot, but yeah, yeah. Anyways, that's Scarface, nineteen eighty three. Yeah. Masterpiece status totally holds up. It's on Netflix right now. It's leaving the thirtieth of June. On the thirtieth, better hurry up. So 
I don't know when you're listening to this, but you have just a few days. Um, I have a lovely steelbook of it somewhere that I stole from you. Um, I think it's downstairs. Is it on Blu-ray? Yeah. I'm looking, I knew I had a copy You somewhere. lent it to me forever ago. That's true. I'll give it back to you. I it was my PS4. It's it's getting old, and it. I'm sure the disc is fine. My PS4 has trouble reading, oh. like shit in general. So that's why I ended up on Netflix. Okay. Even though it's sitting out by my PS4, but yeah, I'll grab it for you when we go downstairs. Um. Okay. We don't normally do this, but I do want to tease the next one. Okay. We got July coming up. Yeah. We just went down to Miami. We had a little taste of Florida post your vacation. Yes. Now I just got back from Chicago. So like we could do Chicago centric if okay. you wanted to. Yeah, I didn't mind. That opens up the table to John Hughes. If, if you're in that mood, you know, I don't know. But we had teased the idea of possibly doing tease being the operative word, the summer of sexual seduction. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a full-on mini-series or something we want to mount because we've got some other stuff we're working on and then October's right around the corner. So maybe, do we just want to go with, like, July, the hottest month, is yeah our month of sexual seduction? And we don't have to pick them right now, but we want to go in that vein? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Because we can go back down to Florida. We could. And I kind of, I would love to. We could stay in that space. We could. We could guarantee that one. If they, if you want to make that your pick. It's going to be a pick because I haven't seen it in a while. Okay. And I really want to watch it now. Okay. Because of how bad shit crazy it is. It's kind of like you wish you wish Blood and Wine had a little bit more. That's it, You know things. what? I That's probably my problem. I, we didn't really get now to that. Now that we thought we about really that. But that yeah, point. that's. But that's the thing is that. The movie, because it removes the sexual... Sorry to jump back, but because it removes the outright sexual element between Lopez and Dwarf, which is like... That's really why you think you would be there, right? But because it removes that and leaves it more ambiguous, and because so much of the movie is played straight and there's no... There's not a lot of, like, melodrama to it. Right. Or soap opera-ishness. There's no, like, kind of devious salacious there's no fun factor right it's very played it's more again it's a morality play right it's very noirish there's not not a lot of laughs in it. maybe a little bit of dark humor but like it's taking itself very seriously but yeah that's what you want that's what you want that movie to be though is more more wild things less 70s character study yes agreed uh so yeah, I think Wild Things is on the table, and then yeah. maybe, I mean, it seems like it's only makes sense to go back to the '80s, but I feel like I want to find one that's a little, a little off the map, or maybe there's a more modern one that's even like post Wild Things that fits in, or maybe it's just gonna be Cruel Intentions. I don't know. <laughs> um, we'll figure it out. I'm trying to think. I thought there was one that was if a you big have any, deal. if you have any suggestions. For sexual thrillers, uh, please email the arc sexually at suggestive thrillers. Yes, films, <laughs> yeah, theatrically released movies. I don't want Pornhub links. Okay. Yeah. I just want films. I'll, I'll take film the Pornhub titles. links. Yes, Gavin can be. Reached <laughs> I'll take the Pornhub links at Ginger Beard Man, Man on with, Instagram with two ends. You could take the real movies uh, archive at network. What is it? Archive network. At, on at the archive network. Yeah. Yeah. 
on you Instagram could take or email the RGB at gmail.com. So we're not settled, but I freaking wild things is going to be one of them. Okay? It has to be. We got to talk. We haven't. Things. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure there's probably an even another better, more, there's another better Florida based one down there you can go with too. Sure. So if you listen to this and you have a suggestion, let us know. Uh, we will be back with something in between now and then. I think there's probably an HBO Max release or something we're excited about coming up. Fast Nine this weekend. There we go. Yeah. I I forget that it's this weekend. I, I yeah. really genuinely feel like I need to catch up. You, you ought to. And watch 6, 7, and 8. I'll, I'll watch but 8 I, with you. But I kind of just want to watch 5. Yeah, that's fine. But I can't jump from 5 to 9. No, you can't. You have to at least go five to eight. I mean, if you want to six, skip six I heard and seven. eight was maybe the weakest of the bunch, so you're telling me that eight is better than six and seven? I don't recommend six and seven because it's At hard all. for me to watch them. With Oh, but I, I'll miss that whole arc. I'll miss the farewell. Yeah. So I have to watch it. You should, yeah. I don't know why you haven't. No, what this was that was your series, Noah. I know it was. You introduced me to that. You, you know, you took it and... Yeah. Maybe I haven't fully recovered. Yeah. Or maybe, I you know, I don't know if I outgrew them or they outgrew me, brother. I just don't know anymore. <laughs> but they became heists. You love heists. Noah, they shifted because of you. They knew that you stopped watching them because you love Ocean's Eleven. And they just said, we got it. to do with why We got We got to get this movies. kid back. So what do they do, Noah? They get Vin back in the mix because they know you love him. And then they make it a heist franchise because they know you love Ocean's Eleven. And you still won't watch them. They were like, we gave you John Ortiz in the fourth one. Yes. We thought we had you. And I was like, too many tunnels. Fuck yourself. <laughs> and but then, then they gave you five, Noah. They, they gave, gave you fast safe, five. Yeah, and a favela. And I was very happy. They gave you the bad guy. They gave you Bucho, Noah. They gave you Bucho. Yeah, dude. Okay. And they gave you Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I haven't even gotten to the Kurt Russell at all, dude. No, you haven't. That's six and seven, right? Yeah. And eight. Two, he's in there. All right, you gotta get the hell out of my apartment because I think I'm watching six. Like as soon as you leave, do it. Probably watching five, and then six tomorrow, and then I don't know. I'd probably be good to go see nine. You know, I'm sure you'll have already seen it in theaters three times. Look, if you're gonna wait, if you're gonna watch all these, I will wait, and you and I can go to nine together. If you want to do that, like for real, are you gonna take mom? I mean, yeah, she wants. I don't know if she's caught up, but yeah, sure. You don't think she's caught up? I don't know if she's watched Fast. Well, I don't know what Fast and Furious she's watched. No, you bought all of them for her. I did, but like I've also tried to get her to watch The Long Good Friday for forever, and she's taken forever. Uh, she finally watched Moonlight. Yeah, she told me that. She said, "Pretty sad." And I was like, "Yep, yeah, I could see that." that. Was Oh, she. That's all she had to say. Well, I love you, mom. But I was, yeah. I was like, no, I. Oh. You should have, you should have been in the room, dude. Like, it I just was, made me really sad, and I'm like, oh, you should, you should, you should have been in the room because I was like, so you know, better than La La Land, right? Because I know she loves La La Land. She's like, well, yeah, I mean, it was good, and I was like, okay, <laughs> like I got that out of her at least. So I don't know if she would pick that over La La Land, but um, I, I don't know where oh, she stands. Thank God, on those. mom's not an Oscar voter. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay. Anything else? Um, you good? We yeah. Good. Yeah. We good here. Oh, I think we did it. Okay. And we managed to not do. 
I guess you can't even say it's like an offensive Cuban accent because it's like he's an Italian doing it. Right, so and he worked just, with a dialect coach over doing, and over. You're just doing a Scarface impression. It's not a, it's not a Colombian stereotype. It's it's an iconic character. It's not even a Colombian same, stereotype. It's a Cuban stereotype. Yeah, and I totally <laughs> fucked that. Um, but yeah, it's the equivalent of doing Vince and Hannah from Heat. Yeah, but we still manage. What I do we got? It, yeah. I'm proud of us for not just falling into quotes the whole time. Yeah, what no. a quotable movie. Um, yeah, and, uh, and one I also feel like we could do another two hours on if I watched it again tonight. Yeah, like I mean, endlessly rewatchable. I Great think movie. if we decide that we really want to start doing commentary track shit, I think that would be one of the first ones we should do. That would definitely be a candidate. Yeah. On the real though, if we were to do a first one. It's got to be the past, I know. No, I was going to say, Another it, would be a Miami movie classic. it would be a movie we've already done, To Live and Die in L.A. Oh, God, yes, of course. to do a commentary track for. I would have I loved to have watched that with you for the first time and just had mics nearby, just capturing your reaction. Oh, God, you know that would have been perfect. And since I've only watched it the one time, we could probably do that and it would still be the same. It's true. All right. Something to think about. Keep an eye on our Patreon, patreon.com slash the Appreciate everybody who supports us there. You help keep the show going. Until next time, I have been Noah. And I have been Gavin. And we've been the Blanchard Brothers. And we've been pushing it to the limit. Indeed. And uh, again, Noah, as always. We've been walking along the razor's edge. Yeah. Um, Don't crazy. look down, Gavin. Just keep your head. Hit the wheel. Noah. Hit the wheel and double the stakes. Throttle right open like a bat out of hell as you crash the gates. Crash the gates! Yeah, praise the Lord, pass the ammunition, and God bless Ron DeSantis.